Heresy and betrayal. These are the words being used to describe the treachery of the war master Horus and his three brothers, Mortarian, Fulgrim and Angron, against the innocent hive world of Istvan III. Once a flourishing planet, now a wasteland, desolate and lifeless, after the Emperor's favoured son unleashed the Imperium's greatest weapon, the deadly Life Eater Virus. However, all is not lost. Some valiant legionaries survive the onslaught thanks to some quick thinking and a timely warning. Hidden deep within a bunker, under the Coral City, these legionnaires broadcast the truth across the galaxy. Forever hunted, they have vowed to broadcast as long as possible and remain free. Radio Free Istvan. What's going on, Radio Free Istvan listeners, and welcome to... Episode 31 of the Radio Free Van podcast, a Horse Heresy 30K podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Michael, and I got my co-host, Ryan, right here. Go and say what's going on, Ryan. What's happening, everybody? Oh, you said what's happening. You say what's, you just say what's going on, everybody. See, you mess people up. Like, you when you listen, you know when you listen to podcasts and you expect to hear the person say that thing, and then somebody just had a wreck because of you. One of our listeners. Somebody just, just had a wreck. Is it like Joe Rogan? What's going on, freak bitches? He says What's that good? a lot. Yeah, freak bitches. So we got a pretty solid episode for you guys right now. Uh, we got, of course, we're going to do our opening, which is going to be like us talking about shit that probably doesn't matter to you guys. Probably Thanksgiving stuff because Thanksgiving just happened. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about our new hotline. Uh, we got some cultural exchange that we're going to talk about from with some other podcast. Of course, we're going to go into hobby progress. We're going to talk about the FAQ. I know it's on everybody's mind. There's some people who, like, this is, like, really, like, segregated the community. You're either pro whole Meltabomb unit or you're single-person Meltabomb unit, and you knew it the whole time. We'll talk about that. Uh, we got an Ultramarines yeah. list we're going to go over. We've got a Salamanders list that we're going to go over. I think both are 2,500. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Both at twenty five hundred. We have a new group shout out, Carolina Harrison. If you don't make it to that part of the episode, uh, we got a Florida event shout out. Of course, the free Buddha stuff, and then my favorite part of the episode is going to be at the end where we actually did an interview with David over at the Thirty K channel. So, Mister Brains, Mister Brains himself. And if you don't know what the 30K channel is and you don't make that part of the podcast, which whatever, it's a YouTube channel with like insane production value for uh, for for Warhammer Battle Reports, War- Her- Horse Heresy specific battle reports. And uh, this guy basically goes to Warhammer World and like kind of like uh, what are those high school coaches, like the ones that go and pick the college students like uh, scouts. Yeah, he's like, he's like a he's like a Warhammer 30k scout. He goes to Warhammer World. He's like, hey, I like that army. Slides a little card. It's like, let me know when you go want to go big league. <laughs> so, but uh, I guess let's just uh, let's let's kick her off, dude. Ryan, man, what day is it? What what's today? Today's the. I'm on like this, my third day of my being off bender, and I'm all lost in time. It's 26. How was your Thanksgiving, buddy? It's been good, man. Uh, Thanksgiving's my favorite holiday. Uh, the only slight problem I've had this year is I'm a little bit sick. I've had a little bit of a cold. So if you hear me coughing and sniffling through this episode, that's what's going on. Um, but I'm all right. I wasn't like so sick I was in bed or whatever, so I still got to go to our family Thanksgiving. So typically every year for Thanksgiving, we just meet 
either at my grandmother's house or one of my cousin's houses or whatever. And all the family comes over there, and we just do the typical Thanksgiving stuff. Uh, I watched the Lions game, ate a bunch of food. Uh, my one aunt, she her birthday almost falls on Thanksgiving almost every year, just give or take a few days, so we usually celebrate her birthday at the same time. Um, so we had her birthday cake and did that, and that was pretty much it, man. So good time. Thanks. Like I said, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. You get to eat a bunch of good food, hang out with your family. You usually get off work and you get all that without the obligation or stress of having to buy a bunch of people gifts. It's great. Like what, how could anybody not like Thanksgiving? And I always like how people, I don't know. It's like I said, it's the best and it's not all commercialized like Halloween or, you know what I mean? Like it's not like this giant, commercial money generating bullshit thing that's just made up to sell cards or you know like make well, make well, a bunch of big corporations they, money they're like they, they took black friday like they they broke them up into two different things it's like you can you can do thanksgiving and then while you're at it if you want you can do black friday we'd really like you to do black friday like that seems like how the corporations like they're like we'll leave christmas alone but we're gonna go ahead and give you our you mean thanksgiving I'm they did sorry, not leave Christmas yeah. alone. Yeah, we'll leave Thanksgiving alone, but we're gonna give you like we're gonna use we're gonna give you this extra day that we know you're off work. We're gonna go. We need you to buy stuff that day, and we may or may not yeah. extend Black Friday into Thursday. I love Black Friday, by the way. Yeah, I don't get I down never, on the whole. You do well, I, like I don't ever go out in it. Like my thing is, like I feel like you can just um do most of it online. There's very few things that you have to actually be in the store for. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a, I'm totally not about waiting in lines. I'm just not a patient person. So (coughs) black Friday is just like not for me, but I enjoy the, like I enjoy seeing people in lines and I enjoy like my friends camping out overnight and doing stuff. Like I have this one buddy named Fabian. He's actually, uh, uh, a part of the cabal podcast he waits in line i would say he starts in line the wednesday before black friday every year he's at best buy and he's been doing it man since i've known him and so like i was like 18 when i first met him and so that's nine years i'm 27 now so like nine years he's always been at the front of the best buy line and every year He's been there, like he takes orders from people. Like he's like a professional Black Friday line waiter, and like people <laughs> like like I need you to buy me this, 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 and this. And like he like he like he's got like he makes like a good like amount of Christmas money for it. You know how like I don't know if you know this, but like old Mexican ladies make tamales to to afford Christmas. Did you know that? No, no. So that's like that's what old Mexican ladies do is they make like a shitload of tamales and they go sell them so they can have Christmas money. This is like Fabian's version of tamales. He goes waits at a black friday line so that he can like get some like badass christmas dough it's pretty badass but every year he waits there in line and every year we used to uh show up at like two or three in the morning while he's waiting overnight and we'd like take him food or you know we'd like bring him like stuff that he needed because you know it's like tradition right now they kind of like rolled over like black friday wasn't even black friday for best buy yeah, it started on Thanksgiving Day. Started at five on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, see, they're 
trying to like see what you're saying. Oh, we'll leave it alone. They're not leaving it alone. Well, like they don't like they don't like push it, you know. But they're like, hey, you're done eating. Come wait in line. And like, so as as soon as I was done eating my Thanksgiving, which I went light this year, like I didn't like gorge myself like I, I normally do, just because I I don't know. I just I went light because I knew I was going to be driving around for Black Friday and going to go look at all the lines. And so I, I drove by Best Buy and they, and you know, we, you know, I'm thinking about it right now. We have a lot of international listeners and they don't have Black Friday. So like, do we need to explain what Black Friday is? Like, I well, I was like talking know. to some of the, some of the guys, like, cause we were talking on the podcast chat that, that like other, other places around the world have picked up on the Black Friday thing. Okay, good. Well, I mean, plus, I mean, like Amazon exists everywhere, like stuff like that. So, I mean, there's like giant you know, international corporations that I'm sure just do it, you know, Black Friday everywhere. Yeah, okay. So we don't have to explain what's going on with Black Friday. I mean, we can. I mean, go ahead. I mean, just in case there's somebody that really doesn't know. Maybe we have somebody listening in some part of the world that doesn't. I don't know. All right, so for all of our uh, Cambodia listeners, uh, Black Friday (laughs) is the day after Thanksgiving and I don't know when the tradition started. I'm pretty sure there's a Wikipedia out there or something. But I want to say, like, I don't know. It's been going on forever. But basically, it's the day after Thanksgiving. You go to these stores, and historically, they used to open at... the Well, the next day when they opened, they had, like, massive doorbuster sales where, like, it was, like, if you were the first person to show up on this day, then you get... X amount of money, and they like have like ten TVs that are like super cheap, and they have like you know, just ridiculous deals on like electronics and stuff like that, or you know, like just normal stuff that would be expensive. It's to make you feel super greedy the day after you just gave thanks. It's it's a it's a huge contradiction. It's hilarious, but uh, that's Black Friday, and like in the past, it used to be like super fucking like dangerous do you, do you remember like people get trampled and stuff like well, that's why they call it black friday because people were so like ruthless trying to get through the doors like running over people smashing people against doors you'll see people i'm sure you can find a million youtube videos of people like got like one person's clamped on one end of the tv and one person's clamped on another end of the tv like over skid and like they'll pull each other down trip each other you know get in fights i mean it's pretty insane it's pretty intense i remember i remember uh, it was 2013, that old lady that uh, was in line for Best Buy, and she thought it was the, the, the line for the bank inside the mall, and she got trampled. And, like, people were like, old lady, what were you doing in the line? Like, what were you thinking? Like, you, you're, like, 90, and, like, what were you going to buy from Best Buy? And she's like, I was going to the bank. I thought this was the line for the bank. Wow. <laughs> I'm like that poor old lady. Like, how do you trample an old lady for a TV? Like, well, because people, a lot of people are ruthless. Uh, so good. So yeah. So people, <laughs> people trample other people. So yeah. As soon as I was done eating my Thanksgiving dinner, I drove around town. I was, I was looking how long the lines were just to like, I don't know. It's just fun to me. It's funny to me. And so, so I had already got. I was so, already on cloud nine because I'd already placed like a pretty stupid large. Uh, battle foam order like in addition to the one i already placed like yeah so so i got uh, the battle foam like i I think it'll probably be over by the time where 
done recording here, but the Battle Foam Black Friday deals are insane. Like, it was such a good deal. Like, I, 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 I set my alarm for like 1 a.m. I was like, let me just go ahead and place this as soon as I can. That's out of the way. I'm going back to bed. It's Thanksgiving time. The the crazy thing for me was, you know, I've been on this diet. Yeah. Basically low carb, no sugar diet. So I haven't really had that many carbs or sugar, like just a little bit here and there. So yesterday I cut loose because, you know, it's Thanksgiving or whatever. So my aunt's birthday, my wife, who's a, you know, owns a bakery, professional chef, made this cake. I don't know if I sent you pictures of it, but it was a chocolate. We have to put that picture up, by the way. It's called a chocolate turtle cake. So a turtle, if for those you don't know, is just you take some, usually it's pecans, but sometimes it's cashews, and you smother them in caramel, and then you dip that in either dark chocolate or milk chocolate. So it's just basically like nuts, caramel, and chocolate, and that's what they call a chocolate turtle. Well, she made a cake that was supposed to be like that. So it's chocolate cake, and then in between the layers of the chocolate cake was a layer of caramel. And it was like seven layers thick. So it's like chocolate cake, caramel, chocolate, you know, all the way up. And then the entire cake is covered in fudge icing. She made fudge, chocolate fudge icing, where the like icing just tastes like milk chocolate. And then she cut up a bunch of turtles, like actual real turtles, and then like put them all <laughs> in the cake and on, like in the cake and on the cake. So I ate this after not really eating that much sugar. And immediately, like, broke out with, like, a trillion pimples. And, like, my body tried to shut down because it was, like, sugar overload. So I got this cluster of three pimples on my forehead, like the predator. Like, the little light that he has. <laughs> like, You mean this, like, like service studs? Do they look like Space Marine yeah, service studs? Well, it's like they're in a triangle pattern. So I was joking that I look like the predator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the service studs are in a are in the triangle predator pattern too. Yeah, that's how I'd play so, it off. So anyway, yeah, it's funny you that you bring up predator because uh, Black Friday on a uh, Voodoo they had all all of the predators in a bundle for fifteen bucks, and I was like, let me go ahead and buy that real quick. Boop. And so I've been watching all the predators like. <laughs> like this week like that that's my so when you say it. all of them so it's predator one obviously predator, predator two. one two three and then predators predator three i don't remember predator three which one's that it, it's not called predator it's a there's aliens versus predator is that one of them no 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 i'll tell you i got you don't worry predators is the one that they drop them on the planet right like all the criminals yeah. and shit yeah and it's got the guy from that '70s show that's like the evil serial killer. Guy. Oh no 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 no! I'm sorry. It's just Predator, Predator Two, and Predators. Okay. And it's not they don't it does not include Alien versus Predator. But I did okay. also buy the Alien bundle as well, and I bought the Stallone bundle, which doesn't have any of the uh, uh, Rockies or anything like that. It's got Escape, Lockup, First Blood, Rambo, Rambo Three, and. Uh, the last Rambo that they had. Huh. So it's a pretty good time. Like I'm gonna enjoy just like watching all these Rambos and <laughs> Predators and I like Predators, man. That was a good movie. But it's funny that you brought that up, and I just watched uh, Predator last night, Predator Two last night. 
But yeah, I'm feeling a little sluggish today from all the food, but it was good. I'm glad glad you didn't. I chopped it off at the trip because while I was already cheating, I'm like, screw it, let's go to the diner and get tenderloin. So I went to the diner last night for dinner and got a tenderloin. (laughs) He said, "That settles it. I'm I'm off the wagon. Come on, let's go get tenderloin." Yep, pretty much. Badass, dude. So, let's talk about this hotline for a second. Okay. Let's move into let's move into this uh, new hotline we have set up for you guys out there that are listening right now. So, if you noticed, if you're a actually if you're a listener, then we'd appreciate it if you went to Facebook and liked us on Facebook because there's so much more content that you can get on Facebook. As well as, you know, the podcast. You can share your pictures with us. You can send us messages. You can see some of our cool pictures that we take and, you know, some of the funny stuff that we think is hilarious. So go check out our Facebook, Radio Free Estevan. And we actually had a, a, another end user or another listener that was having some trouble finding us. It's radio space free space ist, I-S-S, T-V-A-N. So ist fun. So just... If you're looking for it, you can't find us. We're there. So if you are on our Facebook, you probably noticed that we have a new picture up with a number at the bottom. That number is 209-RFI-30K0. Or 209-734-3050. And so that's a hotline, guys. And uh, so that hotline, if you call that, you may get a hold of us. Probably not, because most of the time I have it on uh, Do Not Disturb. But it'll give you the option to leave a voicemail. So if you have, like, news you want to leave us, or if you want to leave us a message, like, we know that you guys email, but, like, this seems, like, a lot easier. Oh, if you're, I guess, American-based or anything like that, or if in the U.S. versus making an international call to your... Uh, one of the podcasts you listen to there. So the new hotline is set up specifically for you guys to leave us voice messages. And if you leave us like a good message or you leave us like a funny message or anything like that, we'll play it on air. No problems. No questions. Like I will absolutely play your uh, your hotline message on the air and all that jazz. We'll get it in there. So I don't know, Ryan, do you have anything to say about that? Anything you want to hear specifically from in our, on the hotline? Mm. I don't know. I mean, there's all kinds of silly shit you could do. You could do, like, Primark impersonations. We could play that. If you could do us, if you could do me or Michael, if you can do a, a Ryan or Michael impersonation, that'd be pretty funny. I'd like to hear that. I like it. I like stuff like that. They're going to come on. What's going on, Radio Frizz Van listeners? <laughs> <laughs> um, so. No, but, I mean, yeah, it's a great idea. I'm glad. I had nothing to do with it. Michael just sent me that and was like, hey, we have this number. I'm like, that's awesome. We're going to get some crazy shit, and I'm all so about we're looking, that. We're looking forward to your your voicemails, guys. Just like anything, anything you think of, even if like your girlfriend just broke up with you, and you just need to call us, and you just need like a like a pick me up, like hey guys, like if we can get some uh, some like ex boyfriend calls, that'd be fantastic. Like you know, like cr- the crazy, crazy, like hey guys. I- I was just thinking about you. Like I was just here at the bar, just just thinking about you. 
and your podcast and I know we didn't work out or you know that that'd be that'd be like my ultimate favorite. That'd be hilarious. So leave us a voicemail guys. We're looking forward to it. I know I know you guys out there. I know you I know you got it in you. So so that's on our hotline, man. So let's segue into this uh this culture cultural exchange package here, man. Tell us tell us what that's about. This is All right. like I did the hotline thing. This is something that Ryan did that I was like, yeah, that sounds badass. So like Yeah. So basically what happened was Tim and Michael over at the Eye of Horse podcast. There if you listen to their show, which if you listen to us, you probably listen to them. They're always talking about assassins. They're obsessed with the assassin, like the 40k assassins, like the Vindicare, this and that. And Tim's always pumped about it. He actually, you know, they finally got permission to run some in a 30K event. They were running some in 30K and this and that. So if you listen, they're always talking about wanting to play that execution force board game. But neither one of them own it. And they, uh, they're always talking about it and this and that. Well, I happen to have one just laying around, like an extra one, still in the shrink. And it's set here for well over a year. And I wasn't going to do anything with it. I already had my own copy. And I was like, you know what? It'd be kind of cool to send it to these guys. And I'm like, I don't have a problem giving them the game, but to ship it to Australia, it's going to be a ton of money. So I hit them up and was like, if you guys don't mind paying the shipping for this, you can just have this game. So we basically worked out a deal where I was able to send this board game off to them. So that's how it started. So I was like, well, I'm sending this board game to them. I'm like, let's do something fun for the podcast. Like, let's, I'm going to do some internet research uh, because we all know everything on the internet's legit. So I figured it wouldn't know. So I went to the internet and did as much research as I could on junk food or snack food that we have here in the U.S. that supposedly doesn't exist in Australia. So I compiled this list and then went to my wife and went to, you know, other people that I know and was like, okay. So if you if you were like didn't didn't know that any of this stuff on this list existed if you've never had anything before like get it narrowed down to like five or six things. And so I came up with this list of items. So I threw all these items in with the Assassin's Board game and mailed it off. So nice. they have not only do they, are they going to get this board game but they have this uh also with it is a bunch of like junk food that's fairly common to here in the US but I want to speculate on what they're going to like the best like what's going to be like what's what what did I send them in this box that they're going to eat and then now going to be like mad at me because it's something they can't get they've like got <laughs> the taste they got the taste of it and now it's like oh my god I can't I have to go to America like I have to get this and they're going to be like calling me and you going please send me more of this like, what is, like, the methamphetamine of snack food that I sent them? So, what I sent them was, I sent them two king-size Butterfinger bars. The candy bar. So, supposedly, they don't have Butterfingers over in Australia. So, they got one of those. I sent them a box of Cheez-It crackers. But I bought one of the boxes that, like, inside the box are, like, 12 individual bags of Cheez-Its so they could, you know, ration them out where they wouldn't open the box and they'd get stale. Is it, is it the multi-flavor ones or just the just normal just the Just the original ones. Okay. 
just the original ones, but they're cheese. If, if you eaten the white cheddar ones, yeah, they're good. Those those are like like I love cheez its, but like white yeah. cheddar, I feel like you would have killed Tim. Just like like one killed bag him. of that, you're killing the box. But like okay, well if he, if he likes the original, because I just wanted to stick to the original, you baby know, whatever. steps, dude, baby steps. You yeah, can't, baby steps. You can't expose all of Australia to white cheddar cheez its immediately. <laughs> like that's that's, that's um, war wartime. So I sent him some Indiana kettle corn, which there's probably there's people in the United States that haven't had this. So kettle corn is basically just like popcorn that they put a little bit of salt and a little bit of sugar in. It's like it's like uh, it's like non aggressive. It's like passive aggressive caramel corn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so caramel corn light. Car- yeah. So it's got more of a subtle taste to it. But there's actually a company called Indiana Popcorn that makes it all here in Indiana. That so I sent him some of that. Um, that was just more a throw in, just because it's something that's local. Uh, so I also sent him graham crackers. So Australia doesn't have graham crackers at all. They've never had a graham cracker, supposedly. So I, I sent him graham crackers. So and also I found out through some research that supposedly there they have marshmallow there, like you know what you would just think of like a marshmallow, but. It tastes supposedly drastically different from what we have here. I don't know how it tastes different or whatever. Just according to the internet, it's different. It's a different flavor, a different process, so they're not the same. So because they didn't have graham crackers and they don't have the same marshmallows as us, I put two and two together, which means they've never had a s'more. So think about never having a s'more before. So I've instructed Tim to go out and buy some chocolate bars. I didn't want to just put like pure chocolate bars in here just because... I was afraid they might, you know, melt or whatever. I figured he could easily find that over there. So he's supposed to get chocolate bars, and then I sent them basically a video, a YouTube video on how to make s'mores. So hopefully whenever they get this stuff, they'll, you know, they can try the graham crackers on their own. They can try the marshmallows on their own, but then they can get the chocolate, the marshmallows, the graham cracker, put it all together and make s'mores, and they'll try that. And then because they didn't have graham crackers, I knew they wouldn't, they didn't have Teddy Grahams. And Teddy Grahams are, like, super addictive. So I sent them some chocolate uh, Teddy Grahams to go with the graham crackers. That's fucking great, dude. I love Teddy Grahams. Like, Teddy Grahams, it's so weird to me that, like, they haven't made it made it across. Like so that. of that list, what do you, what do you think they're going to like? Um, man, like, it, sweet and savory kind of things. Like, I feel like... Like they're gonna like the s'mores. I mean, you just like no, I can't. I've never met somebody who doesn't like s'mores. You just gotta make them right. So like, it's gotta be like just tell Tim now. Like I know you mentioned like oh yeah, you know microwave and all that stuff. Just well, like, I, I sent him because I didn't know how balls deep they wanted to get into it. So I just sent him a really simple like this is how you do it in the microwave like one minute video. But I also did tell him that to do it right, you really need to kind of like get them browned up on open flame. Like build an actual like you know, campfire, or you can even like, even if you have a gas stove, I don't know if they have a gas stove or not, Yeah. but if he has a gas stove. You get the flame going on the stove and just put them on a coat hanger or a stick or something like that. And charm. There's a, like, his butane torch. I know to, like go to that, go, like go find a meth head or something like that. Use their torch. Like, Hey, can I use your little, <laughs> yeah, your crack? Go, powder, to the, please? go to the meth house and get a torch. Uh, <laughs> uh anyway like there's a million videos on youtube of how to make s'mores so just go 
And the trick is, if you want to do it right to where they get a little brown, they, the outside of the marshmallow gets brown and crispy and dry, and then the inside's, like, obviously all, you know, melted and gooey. And if you are making it out of the fire, Tim, like, br- like, maybe get Michael there so, like, y'all can, like, you know, build a fire and all that stuff and just, just let one catch on fire. Like, let let one catch on fire and then blow out the fire and then... I mean, if you've never made marshmallows before like we have, then you probably are going to catch one on fire. But, like, there's some people that just really like that burned marshmallow. I've never, like... There, it's got a different taste. There. Yeah, I, yeah, there are. Like, so, so, like, Michael's correct. Like, I like it where it's just browned. Like, yeah. I don't like it burnt. But some people like it burnt, like, black and charred on the outside. Yeah, I'm some not people like that. I'm not a fan of that either, but, like, some people like it, and I don't want you to think, like, oh, I burned it. I, I can't eat it. No. Oh, and also safety first, because that shit, when you stick it on a fire and it catches on fire and it's all melty, if you try to grab that shit, like even if you blow the fire out and you try to grab it, it is like napalm. It will stick to your hand and melt your flesh to the bone. And you can't get it off because it's like sticky marshmallow shit that's like hundreds of degrees stuck to your hand. So don't do that. So the trick is to get the marshmallow hot and then put your chocolate on the bottom graham cracker where gravity's holding it in place and then have another graham cracker and then reach around, like actually pinch the marshmallow in between the two graham crackers and slide it off. So you're not actually touching. Yeah. yeah. So you're not actually touching the marshmallow. But like I said, just watch videos on YouTube of got, how to do it. It's got to be hot when you eat it too. So, yeah. So, I mean, they're going to like the s'mores. Everybody likes s'mores. It's just one of those things. It'd probably be a lot of sugar at one time. But man, dude, Cheez-Its, like, Cheez-Its are next level. Like, they're, they're such a good snack. Oh, you can buy, I buy a box of cheeses, and the thing is, they're weird. Like, the reason I got them in individual bags, to me, when you first open a box of Cheez-Its and they're fresh, they taste better. I don't know what it is, but even if you get a a brand new box and you open it once and you eat a few, which you're not ever going to eat a few, you're going to eat at least fucking half the box because that's just how it goes. And then you put the box up and you put it in your cabinet for like a day. They don't taste the same the next time you get in them, I don't think. It's gonna be fucked up. Like it's gonna be so sad. He's gonna be like, "This is the last pack of Cheez-Its I have." Like, yeah, motherfuck. So I got them the individual wrapped ones where they can like it's gonna be fresh every time for him. Um, but it's gonna be yeah. like, man, I want to try these white cheddar ones. Michael's talking about. Not yet. You're not ready, baby boy. You're not ready. <laughs> well, we'll see. If he likes those, uh, maybe we can get him some white white cheddar ones. But I'm curious to like. I just want them to try the marshmallows on their own and just see, like, supposedly, like I said, their marshmallows are totally different than ours. Yeah, I just, I just totally read a, I read an article about it, like while you were talking about it. it was, what did it say? Uh, well, this lady was saying that it's all like I guess they use different marshmallow, like they use different plants to make it. Like American campfire marshmallows are completely different to Australian marshmallows. Uh. They're like weird and skinny, is from what I'm understanding. Like, huh. it's a completely different process. They don't even compare to our Pasco marshmallows. But apparently, huh. like, so this lady says uh, that their marshmallows are they melt better and they're softer. So I don't know. Apparently, they have Pasco marshmallows, which are huh. legit. Anyway, who knows? Who knows? 
Well, I don't know, but we I sent him some of ours, and then the uh, like Butterfingers, man. How can you not have Butterfingers? That seems like something that they yeah. would have. It's just a candy I bar. Like, I like Butterfingers. It's not my favorite candy, but uh, like. Well, that was the big one that supposedly they didn't have. Like, I guess they have like Snickers bars and things like that. But as far as like, far as, like fairly common candy bars that are like in the top, like if you polled everyone in the U.S., like that's usually in the top five. So as far as like our top top five candy bars, that was the one that they didn't have access to. I like Butterfingers. Butterfingers is definitely in my top tier of candies. It's up there with Reese's and Twix and all that. It's like it's like a a, a tier A candy. Like it's it's not a B candy like you know Three Musketeers right. and Snickers and all that stuff. It, it's definitely up there. Like it's barely hanging on, but it's up there. You know, yeah, Butterfingers. It's good so stuff. what's going to be their favorite thing out of here? And then also, like I said, we got the graham crackers that I threw in there and the Teddy Grahams. Well, Teddy Grahams are great, man. I, man, it's very hard to because I don't know what they're like what they enjoy. Like I don't I don't know what like Tim likes to eat and all that. And a lot of Michael likes to eat. So I'm just gonna say. The Cheez Its because it's something you can like snack on and kill like on like any any time versus like Teddy Grahams like you can eat Teddy Grahams at any time but you're gonna get sick because you're just gonna like gorge <laughs> like Teddy Grahams aren't like something that you can just like normally oh I'll just have a handful of Teddy Grahams no you're gonna kill a bag and probably feel sick afterwards so as far as what they're gonna enjoy I think the individually packed Cheez Its is the way to go because they're like man that was good like I, I want another pack but because I, <laughs> I can't I can't go through twenty packs of this. Well, I'll make them a deal if they, cause I've sent them a, you know, we've worked out things in the past, like where they've needed certain things or models or I've sent them whatever. So if anything's in there that they like, uh, I'll make sure that anytime in the future I send them anything, I'll include whatever they really like in there. Right. But this gave me the idea because I, you know, I've sent a few things. I've sent a couple things to Sweden. Um, I don't think I've sent anything to a UK podcast yet but i think we need to do this i think this needs to be a thing like maybe once every couple months we need to pick one of the other podcasts and then do some internet research and then just send them a care package and then get some feedback just so we can spread like i guess american obesity around the world (laughs) hey man as long as we can get the the canadians to send us some all dressed chips i'll be all right you ever had all dressed chips Uh uh-uh oh they're so good they're so good, and I didn't, like, I was, like, completely asshole level, like, they can't be that good. No, they're great. They're fantastic chips. Hmm. And I know all of the all of the Canadians, like, Matt Edlin right now is like, yes, fuck yeah, all stress chips. Like, yeah, yeah, no, they're great. You got them, guys. You figured out chips. You win chips. Okay? <laughs> like, you win. I don't know how well, this slipped past our radar. Well, tell everybody, like, when you were up here, you found some stuff at this local candy store. It's funny that we're talking about this because Michael's making me send him two pounds of this. Of raspberry candy corn. Raspberry something candy corn. Blue raspberry candy corn. Yeah. So do you want more of that creamsicle bark, too? Nope. Just the candy corn. That's all you want the candy corn? All I, if I get, instead of the bark, if I can get three pounds of candy corn instead, <laughs> I would gladly, like, like I bought a half a pound, no, like a third, quarter I don't know. Pound. Like, what, quarter pound? Quarter yeah, pound. I bought a quarter pound of this, like, raspberry candy corn, blue raspberry candy corn from this candy shop while I was there, and I knew I only had a quarter pound, but, like, I was, like, I was eating it on a plane, I was eating it, like, on the way home. Like I was eating it like in the in the Uber, like going back to 
my truck and all that stuff. Like I just like kept snacking on this. I was like, fuck, dude. Like I do not have like a quarter pound seems like a lot until you're eating it all the time. And I was like, fuck, dude. I was like, I got a rash of this. So I put it like in this little container by my desk where we record. So every time we'd record, I'd like grab like two or three of them and I'd eat them. And like, you know, if I like felt picky, like while we were doing the podcast, I'd grab a little bit more and I'd eat them. And like, I was like, fuck yeah, it's so good. Cause it tastes like big league chew. It tastes like big league chew that you're allowed to swallow. <laughs> and now I'm out. And I was like, can I, can I, can you send me some of that? Can you? So I'm going to say Butterfinger Bar. That's my that's my pick for favorite. I'm going to say Butterfinger Bar. Yeah. Just have a toothpick nearby because sometimes Butterfinger is gets sticking uh, your teeth. Gets sticky in your teeth. So you're going to say cheese it's so I'm going with Butterfinger. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I just hope that like Michael goes on one of those like military missions and like takes that Butterfinger Bar with him. And so, like, he can, like, do, like, the classic, uh, hold on, like, the little, like, in the middle of the mission, just, like. <laughs> and then somebody yells at him for being loud. <laughs> They're going to be like, you're going to ghost us. <laughs> so, anyway, so Culture Exchange, man, if you're, a, if you're another podcast listening and you want to get in on this. Let us know. Yeah, we'll, send you we'll some do it cool with stuff. you. Yeah, we just got to figure out. I guess do some research on what you got. We <laughs> yeah, it didn't take that long to figure out. So, so that's a cultural exchange, man. I guess let's go ahead and move over to some hobby progress. What you got going on? Where you at? So. I finished those heads on the Black Shields. Um, I actually sent you a couple pics of some mock-ups. Uh, you can look on your phone right now as we're talking. They're just some basic dudes with some of the Sarum helms. They're not glued on. I just set them on there. But um, So I finished all those heads. I painted a about half my jet bike squad. I'm like, out of the six-man jet bike squad, I'm three, like two and a half in. Um. And then I've been doing that at uh, work, and then at home I've been working on these Space Marine, uh, these uh, Blood Angel veterans, and um, I've been assembly lining them, and I got the first squad like all counter shaded and stuff. So basically, just working on jet bikes and veterans. I haven't like finished a whole squad, but I'm well underway of getting multiple things done at once. I dude, I love the spikes all over this dude, like. I'm kind of curious on what the story is behind, like, putting spikes on armor. But, you know. Like, I, don't, like, I want to know, like, how like how they do it. You know, they weld them on. Like, they just, like, go, hey, man. Mate, I need, like, 4,000 spikes made. <laughs> and I need you to put them on my armor. And then some little tech priest, like, your tech marine's like, all right, I got you, homie. And then he gets all of his servitors to make up little spikes. And then they go up to the armors, like, well, it's just like basically like where they have those bonding studs the the rounded studs instead of having bonding studs these guys have spikes there yeah so you guys are bonded as shit yeah like, they're super bonding like <laughs> this so what do you think of those like, heads oh i love the heads man love them actually i love everything about the model it's very uh so i decided before we were talking about i was going to do something different on the sergeants so i've decided to go with the night lord's terror squad 
helmets that have like the actual bo- the skull face on them, like the bone face with like the teeth. Okay. Yeah. The kind to uh, kind of so they look even more skeletal than those, and then to go with the bone hand on the um, shoulder pad that I had this made. This is a legit like scary head, like because your 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 black shields like they're like I kind of know their background and all that stuff, and so like they're not evil, like they're not bad, like they're they're <laughs> not, not a, yeah they're not bad yet. So like I I feel like you know your black shields show up on a planet where they're like. Oh yeah, over there, you know, there's some some uh, world eaters that are, you know, killing us and all this stuff. And like, I could not imagine standing next to this eight foot dude with like this skull face helmet, like looking at me, like, "We'll take care of him." Like, fuck, <laughs> like shit. Like, well, know. the they're supposed to be more like uh, the basic guys are pretty out of control. It's that the command structure, the way it's set up with the chaplains and the apothecaries, they're like constantly trying to rein them in and keep them under control. Like, if you read my fluff, it was like they were going to kill this batch of recruits and just do away with it. But the chaplains and the apothecaries got together and decided, nah, we can still save these guys and use them. We can utilize them. We're just going to have to be careful about how we use them and this and that. And that basically starts them down a uh, path to uh, someplace you don't want to go. Where do they keep them? Like, where do they keep them whenever they're not being used? Like, well, they're just on the they're on the ship and stuff like normal, being trained like normal recruits. But they're kind of like unhinged and off the chain. It's almost like uh, the closest thing I attribute it to is like how like Blood Angels utilize Death Company, I guess. Okay. So like, I, I try and imagine like how a mess hall would work with like people that are that crazy. Like you just like get buckets of food and just like like dump it into like a grate <laughs> and there's like a bunch of like and you just hear like all like the, the tearing up the food and all this stuff fighting over scraps. It's like, come on, keep pouring the sludge in there. They need to, they need to, their nourishment. And then like, oh, four more recruits died because they killed them. Just but batch it insane. That's pretty much it, man. Finish the heads on that. Uh and then, like I said, I painted, I got two jet bikes paint, fully painted, a third one well underway, and then I did all the, well, you know my process with the red. So I basically did all the known oil work uh, on 10 guys, plus I painted everything that's going to be black, black on 10 guys. That's badass, dude. I'm excited to see this full army quoted out. I definitely want to see your paint scheme. Like I'm, I'm really excited to see how you... How you hit that airbrush? Well, I'm, I'm going to airbrush them um, either this weekend or this this coming week. So the next time we record, they should be airbrushed. Um, and then I'm going to finish the jet bikes for the Blood Angels, finish that whole unit, and then maybe switch over to uh, Black Shields. I bet I'll probably actually do finish the. Um, finish the jet bikes and then I need to paint one rhino for the blood angels and then paint that. And then all that's left for my blood angels for Adepticon at that point are these, uh, 20 veterans. So I might work on the veterans at home and then work on the black shields at work. Um, and then hopefully get them both done, but it's not looking great at this point. Why? To get them both done just cause I don't, I'm running out of time. Like it's, it's going to take a long time. I just don't know that I'll be able to get it all done. It'd be a close run thing if I do, but I, I it's not looking good. 
Don't say that, man. I've got a lot of stuff to do before Adepticon. And, uh, well, the Blood Angels are definitely go for Adepticon. It's the Black Shields for Stiff the week before that I'm not sure okay. about. Well, like I got stuff to do before Stiff, too. Or Stiff stiff as well. And, uh, yeah. The, the, the thing that screwed me, like, if I could have just taken the Black Shields to both Adepticon and stiff it wouldn't have been a problem but the way the problem is the models that i own for the black shields they're very kind of locked in to playing 2500 points like if i the way the army is constructed in the units i have it just will not work when i start taking points out of it and i could make the army work but i would have to go buy like all new models. Like I wrote a 2000 point list, but it it's like dropping half the stuff I have and buying totally new stuff that I don't own. And then I'm gotcha. just, then I'm just on, I'm painting even more stuff. It's like, it's basically I'm robbing Peter to pay Paul and it wouldn't do me any good. Plus right. I, I'd, I'd probably be buying and painting and building models that I don't, you know, like I really just kind of want to build this black shields list. And it just is, that's my black shields. Like this is the one army I have for them. And then I have like one optional unit I can, you know, swap in and out just to make them vi- viable in Zone More Talos. That's really all I want to do. Hmm. I got you, man. I'm, I'm hoping I get into that narrative track, though. Yeah. I really. Oh, yeah. We didn't talk about that. So finish your hobby progress and then we'll talk about what we got signed up for at Adepticon because that happens since we were last recorded. Uh, I, I honestly don't have a whole lot of hobby progress. I worked on some tiles for my. Uh, my stiff three board and i mean that's pretty much it like it was a short week didn't have like a whole lot of time to myself i did instead of making build like man dude i spent way too much money like i got so much stuff on the world like next week is going to be ridiculously huge i can't go into what i ordered but like it's going to be a like next hobby progress we talk about is going to be insane dude it's going to be so much shit that like came in. I worked on all that stuff. Uh, one thing I did do is I sent my drop pod hanger to get printed. So that's exciting. So my drop pod hanger is getting printed. And I should have that next week to cast up for my display board. So super excited about that. And then, I mean, speaking of display board, I had to check with uh, Mark Rayley and Eric even like to make sure that the well i guess let's just go into like adepticon and what i didn't get into okay well let me let me go first because i i got signed up for i got signed up for the entire narrative track and i got signed up for the team tournament and that that's all i really wanted to get and to be honest i doubt i'll probably not in the the little games like the opening raid games yeah, the small ones, because that's on Thursday, and I think I'm going to want to do shopping that day. Because that was the problem last year is I had no time to actually look and do any shopping and check things out because we were in an event every day. Right. Because I'm doing the team tournament on Sunday, if I do the opening raids on Thursday, I'll be busy Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, which is all four days. And I think I want at least one day just to hang out and do some shopping. Get some Artemis in. Well, something, because the, the vendor hall and all that closes, like, at 6, and most of the events are until 7. So if you're in an event every day, you're, like, never going to have any time to go check anything else out. Yep. 
That's true. For all you Adepticon players, listen up. So, but yeah, I uh, didn't like I. So the Adepticon registration opened up a minute early, like seven fifty nine. And so, like, I was, like, you could tell how on it I was because I know that Adepticon registration started one minute before it was supposed to go on. So uh, so I refreshed the page, ran through, got the narrative track, got VIG, got everything, went to go pay, and, like, the website itself was already, like, super fucking slow. And so I was like, no, just wait for it to reload. And so finally it got to my credit card, and it was like, everything's good, pay with your credit card. So I went to go pay with my credit card and like I autofilled everything, let everything autofill. So like when I went, I put my credit card information in, it autofilled out for me and I was like, done, done, son. Technology, so good. And then uh, it didn't fill in my state that I was in for my credit card for the billing mm. information. And so as soon as that happened, it's like, uh, the lines in red are required. And I was like, oh no. So I switched over, I put Texas. And then I hit submit, and it goes, the following is sold out. or The, the following is over capacity. And it was the day two of the narrative. And it's like, please remove from your cart. And so like I removed day two from my narrative. I was like, fuck it. Dump it. And so I dumped day two, and then it was like, the following is over capacity. And it was the VIG, and then day one and three of the narrative. So I was like, fuck. Like... You know what they should do? Like we were talking about this and a lot of I heard a lot of people say this. Why when it does that? When you put in a cart and you're like, This is everything I want and then it picks up like one thing of like the six things that you're trying to register for is over capacity. Why does it not just give you a checkbox where you can say that's okay, go ahead and check out without that thing? Why know. does it why does it reject you and send you back and then by the time you get back then everything's gone? It's all, man, it's it's all, like, you know, I'm, I say this all the time. It's all, I, I hate to say it because I'm, I'm going to be in the group, but it's, it's survival of the fittest, man. If you fuck up, you don't get to go. It's it. <laughs> and I fucked up. I fucked up, man. Like I, like, I could blame nobody but myself for not making sure that Texas wasn't filled out. Like, I, I knew, I knew it was going to be clutch. I knew there was no room. No room for errors. And I made an error. Like, honestly, if this was a war zone, I'd be dead. I'd be the the Carposa of the group right now trying to save that little girl. Like, you know what? I fucked. I get it. I'm not going to be at the end of the movie, guys. Sorry. (laughs) Like, that was me. (laughs) So I did get in the, uh, the friendly tournament, the team tournament, and the one day, the first day mega battle. And yep. so I was going to talk to you about that because I think I could get cuz that one day that one day mega battle I have what we're in November so it'd be December, January, February, mid-March. So about have 3 months I could get a warlord to take into that mega battle. And I'm like on the fence on whether I should get a warlord or I should have Samson paint me up. It's so like have black label painting paint me up like four warhounds. What would you do? Oh, probably the warlord. Just a warlord instead of four warhounds. I was kind yeah. of on the fence in either way. 
I mean, neither one you'll probably ever use again. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, you're you're right. Well, every Adepticon, I guess, to take it to Adepticon. Yeah. But then if I get in the narrative track, then I won't use it at all because I just like the, it overlaps. No, no, the Mega Battle doesn't overlap. I do three Falchions and just piss other people off that bring their Warlord. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Just run a Leviathan detachment of three Falchions. <laughs> and just stun lock everybody. Boo, boo, boo. Get, yeah. get fucked. I should. I should run a bunch of you, Falchions. You will be that guy. Nah, but I would. that's like... It's a bunch not. of Falchions and Venators and just like freeze stun locking everybody. And then so like my team's like, I'm so glad this guy's here. And I'll be like, yay, you're welcome. Yeah, you'll be <laughs> that guy. You'll be targeted so fast. Like so like, fast. I can paint my uh, I can paint my Falchions to like look like they're in snow. So it'd be like Mr. Freeze, like freeze guns. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> I don't know. We'll talk about this. We, we'll talk about it no, offline. I don't know. I, I'm more like I don't. To be honest, I don't. I'm not a. You know me. I'm not an apocalypse guy. I don't really give a shit. So, I'm the wrong guy to. Minute. I'm the wrong wrong guy to ask about any of that. Um, my thing is, what are we going to do? We need to figure out what you're going to do for the team tournament because I I have options to do anything. I think. Yeah. We'll talk about. So it. we need to talk about what you want to bring to the team tournament once we get that figured out. Because um, if you're wanting to go drop pods. Um, I'll probably take my salamanders since so, so we'll both be drop pods. Nice. If you're not wanting to go drop pods, then we'll we'll do something else. Dude, if we if we both play drop pods, I'm gonna bring my boombox. I'm gonna play that exhibit. So X go give it to you. We're gonna like blast it real loud <laughs> whenever we start like rolling in on the table. Just boom, 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 boom. Like oh well, my, my favorite. God. My favorite thing like that, like there was a local team tournament. We didn't we didn't do it because we're not that type of guy. But there was a local team tournament that wasn't smart enough to ban Primarch's Chosen. Oh, wow. Okay. And it was, I think, like 1,200 points a guy or I think it was 1,200 points a player. Uh, my buddy was going to take Ferris Manus and I was going to take Vulcan and we were going to play MC Hammer, the Hammer Time. That was going to be the <laughs> name of the list was Hammer Time. And it was basically just like solely built around running around with Ferris and Vulcan and smashing things. And just locking them in combat and then just letting them unload. <laughs> Play whack-a-mole for six turns each. Especially, especially, uh, 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 which one has this, like, the little, like, three-inch blast where they just, like, murder That's everybody. Vulcan. That's yeah, Vulcan. So Vulcan just boop, 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 boop. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, that, that was my Adepticon woes, man. I, I really like what sucks is the whole like display board, like because I'm super balls deep into my display board, which it's okay because I'm gonna be able to use it in stiff. Like Pretty's gonna put it in one of the Zomortalis missions, so my display board will actually be. You're, you're on lucky. Zone. You're lucky. You have a friend that gave you that idea, so it's not a total waste, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can use it for a, if. To be honest, though, like I just I hope you get into the narrative. Like I hope there's enough drops or whatever that the waiting list actually works out for you. Yeah. And then even if it doesn't, you could always take it next year. Yeah, but I wouldn't want to take my Blood Angels army two years in a row. We'll take something different to the competitive this year if you can't get out of the narrative. I don't have nothing different. I might. I have my. Oh, I have my Raven Guard list, my Primark Killer list. But you have that, and you also and have got me as so a, much better. My Primark you, Killer list got so much better. Yeah, and you also have me as a resource. You could always borrow my Word Bearers or Salamanders. 
I'll figure something out. I really want to take my Blood Angels, but I really want to finish this list. We'll figure something out. And then, I mean, the, the tournament, the, the actual team tournament and the friendly tournament itself, Mark Rayleigh said that, well, he told me to get with Eric even, and he said that, as far as he understood, there's going to be a, a display board and all that stuff. I just don't feel like, and maybe maybe this is just like me looking at the team, the tournament different. Like, I feel like it's not the same level of display boards that I'll be up against in the t- team, the, the actual tournament itself, you know? And I feel like maybe. it might be worth less points maybe. or whatever. Maybe. Because I know, like, remember the narrative display boards last year were off the chain. And then the next day, the tournaments were, like, a little bit, like, some had display boards. Some people just had, like, uh, I think one, I think David Sampson had his, uh, his, Hotel he took rooms a pro- tray, like yeah. The hotel drink yeah. tray, yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. Either way, I'm gonna get my display board done. I'm gonna take it to Adepticon. I've got fully custom fo- loaded foam for my Blood Angels, so like they'll be able to travel in safety. I ordered that Pack 720 so that I can just have extra room now. Ah, oh, dude, That's so good. I'm excited about my foam most of all. Oddly enough, hmm. and then I also have like six extra spaces for contemptors which will be another <laughs> another project soon enough so so yeah man i don't know what part of the the podcast i almost want to fall on my sword and let you into the narrative but i kind of don't want to play in the competitive <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude, know it's good it's good. i'm really hoping i get into the narrative man like i'm just gonna like start spreading like rumors that to make people drop it's like man i heard last year everybody that played the narrative got like kicked in the balls or something kicked in the balls like it was like it was something they did like just really enjoyed it like are, are you cool with the ball kicking and like kids are just like no fuck no oh that's what they do in the narrative you get kicked in the balls or maybe somebody will just trade me out maybe somebody will be like oh well well so i said i i thought about it no nah, it's okay if you're out there listening and you want to you you're not sure about the narrative let me know i've got the the competitive the friendly the friendly competitive using the it was it was actually fun last year i mean i i didn't it of of the three things it was probably my least favorite but not by like it's not like i hated it it was just i just happened to like the narrative in the zone more tower slightly better did you did you see the uh like i don't think I don't know. I probably need to review my list because it's not like what's cool is everything's going to be scoring. So like, you know, even all my elite stuff will be, you know, having a good time. My dreadnought drop pods, you know, weird stuff will score. But uh, um, my like, did you see they're allowing like an ally? They're allowing like multiple cats. Like they're allowing like all sorts of like forty k level like friendly tournament stuff. Hmm. So yeah, like I feel like there's gonna be some. Yeah, I don't want to trade you now. I'm good. <laughs> there's gonna be like some uh, some shenanigans that I don't think I'm gonna be prepared for. They're allowing black shields. Uh, they're allowing shattered legions. So, is the narrative be... not allowing black shields? Uh, I think yeah, I think the narrative's also allowed. I meant to say shattered legions, but black shields okay. came out. I was gonna say I was like black shields. I don't know why you would disallow like the black shields yeah. faction. 
Yeah, no. But uh, yeah, they're allowing Shattered Legions, and you, like we've discussed, the shenanigans you could do with Shattered Legions. So I'm hoping yeah. I don't end up fighting this uh, this Salamander Imperial Fist player, you know, but like, it's possible. 2,000 points is pretty low to get a lot of that stuff in there. Oh, is it only 2,000 points? <laughs> uh, I think so. Worse and worse. <laughs> I don't know. I, you have to look. I, it could be more points than that. I don't know. I didn't pay that close of attention because I got into the narrative. I don't know. It's still going to be a good time. I don't, if I if I don't get into anything, like, honestly, like, because I know Josh got waitlisted on everything. So if he doesn't get his waitlist up, then I don't know. I, I'm, I don't know. There's a lot of, like, the narrative was my choice. I didn't get it. I understand. But, like, Adepticon's still fun enough to where I'll still go to it and still have fun at playing uh <coughs> playing what's it called uh artemis artemis with all my boys it's gonna be ridiculously fun well we'll still like all the other podcast stuff will be there i'm sure i'm sure at some point we're gonna have to play pickup games with some of those guys yeah yeah i'm a man i'm excited to get you into some artemis dude that's gonna be a real good time yeah i didn't do it last year yeah, I know. So, like, I'm excited to get you into Artemis, like, and I'm gonna, like, because I know you're gonna love it. You're gonna be like, "What the fuck?" You're either gonna really love it or you're gonna hate it because it's gonna drive you crazy. Because, like, well, it sounds a lot like. Did you ever play BattleTech in the individual pods? Like, where you actually had the pod that you controlled the battle mech? Did you guys ever do that in Texas? Did you have anything like that? We did, but like not that. Like, we we had one at CC's Pizza, where it's like. You're two robots fighting each other, but like it was never. No, 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 no. This is like the game BattleTech. You know what BattleTech is, right? And they had all the yeah. video games. Somebody constructed these pods that you got in as a sliding door, and you got in, and it had a seat with a joystick and foot pedals and lights and switches. Like it was supposed to be like the actual cockpit of a mech from BattleTech. Okay. And you could pick what chassis you wanted and all that. And then they like put you in and you like fought against other people that were in several pods in this room. And it was almost like interactive. And the, they had a bunch of speakers and shit under the seat. So when you got hit, like the screen would rock and the speakers would go off. Like So it was like a very immersive experience. Why don't. Like, why does this not still a thing? Do y'all still? Have I don't. These? You can you can look it up. It's just if you type in BattleTech pods. Like we used to have a big at the Circle Center Mall in Indianapolis. It was always on the top level of the mall, and I don't think it's there anymore. But they used to like take them around the cons and stuff like that. But here's the here's the crazy thing. So I used to work excavating, right? So the way the controls worked on this battle mech thing happened to be like 90% the same of a Caterpillar 963 track loader that I used to run every day. <laughs> so I used to, I used to basically for a living use these controls in this track loader, the same as this battle mech thing. So I used to be able to get in these battle tech things and just rock face. And the whole time I'm in this pot, cause you know, nobody's in there. You can talk as much shit as you want. You're isolated. The whole time I'm in there, like, I'm like, yeah, suck it. I do this for a living. A living. <laughs> Dude, my whole like life just got shattered with this Google search. There's an article this dude named Nick Rowan wrote that says, my greatest gaming regret is never making it to one of those ridiculous Battletech centers. Yeah. He says, my number one regret in life is that I never managed to find one of those dope-ass Battletech centers before they disappeared. 
no, dude. Like this, you can't tell me about this, and like it doesn't exist anymore. Like, well, what was crazy is you'd get hit, so like you'd have a coolant leak, and you had like switches and lights. You'd have to reroute the coolant link on the inside of the 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 pod. Um, you could run out of ammo, and then what was hilarious was at the end of it, they would actually print you like you had a call sign and all this stuff. You'd get a print off at the end of the match, like literally a print off that would have everything that you did, like at 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 this and this, like at twelve hundred. Thir- you know, 1200 hours, 13 minutes, uh, gauntlet, uh, slayed so-and-so's, you know, satyr mech by using this and this, you know, this missile strike from this many meters. Like, it, like, gave you a breakdown of, like, the battle that would print off at the end. And it had, like, your kill-to-death ratio and all that stuff. It was fucking awesome. I'm, like, really sad right now, but on the same token... I'm on, I'm on Craigslist right now. <laughs> oh, I mean, there, yeah, because people there are. Be, there may be some people that are like, oh my god, two pods for forty five thousand dollars. I don't know, man. This is, I can't believe these don't exist anymore. Like, oh man, how cool are That's, they though? Yeah, dude, like I like this has not like Artemis doesn't stand up to this. Like, come on. And then there's like pinup girls on the outside of the yeah. Like each pod like had the uh, like supposed to be the nose art from the mech that you were in. That's insane. I used to do this every weekend, man. They, we had one down here in Indianapolis. I'd go to the circle. I'd go down there every weekend and play. My call sign was Psycho. God, dude! Like, are you fucking kidding me? That sounds badass. My my call sign was Psycho, and my buddy Jacob was Gauntlet, and we used to go down there, and it was Psycho and Gauntlet, and I'd always take, I'd always pick the, the, uh, the Sunder, which is an uh, Inner Sphere Omni Mech, but I would switch it over to the Sater variant, where it had more energy weapons, because the Sunder had too many. Because I was so good, I didn't die, and the problem was when you didn't die, you'd run out of ammo and all your ballistic weapons, and then your mech would be shit because you're out of ammo. So I always went with the Seder and had way worse heat management. So you had to be careful. Like you had to like, you couldn't just like continually alpha strike people. But if you didn't die, you didn't really like drop off in any like in deadliness because you had more energy weapons. So it allowed you to get a much higher kill to death ratio, which is what I was all about and bragging about. My buddy Jacob always used to take the Mad Cat. I think is what he used to play or the Timberwolf, depending on. It's the same mech, depending on whether you're giving it the Inner Sphere or the clan name. Yeah, we had the, like, we, okay, like, all those names are, like, very familiar. We had those, but it was not anything like a pod. Like, you didn't reroute anything. It was just, like, two joysticks where you just, like, go fight each other. No, this was, like, all the pods were the same, but, like, when you, like, you told them what mech chassis you wanted, and, you know, but the pod, no, the pod didn't matter. It was just, like, they gave your pod the template, like, digitally you know what i mean like the software so like if you were like an owens for example you were really small and shitty but you were super fast um the sunder the one i like was more of a bigger mech it's like an 80 ton mech it's large um so it wasn't super fast but it had a lot of long range heavy hitting ammo and i got it i actually was more agile in it than most people were used to because like i said i drove that stupid 963 track loader every day which operated exactly the same so I could do like some crazy like going from forward reverse swinging it around because you could set it up to where it was advanced controls or novice controls 
And if you were novice controls, basically you didn't use the foot pedals. You only used the joystick. So the mech was like, imagine not being able to swivel at the waist. So they had to like totally turn to shoot. Whereas if you had advanced controls, the foot pedals, the left and right foot pedals actually turned the mech and the joystick just turned the torso. So I was able to like run in one direction, but shoot in another because I was used to the, because on a 963 track loader, the joystick runs the uh, bucket. That's all that it runs. And then the foot pedals turn left and right. And then you have a throttle that's like on a, this V pattern track. And if you go all like, if it's all the way back on one track, it just, it stopped. And then the further, uh, or no, all the way at the point is stopped. And then the further you pull it back down one track, the faster you go forward. And then the further you pull it back the other track, it goes in reverse. So to switch from forward to reverse, you have to go forward and then back down this other track like that. But I was really good at switching from forward to reverse real quick, swiveling and all that, because that's I did that every day for work. It was the same controls, other than it didn't have a guns on it. But other than <laughs> that, it was the same. So when you're at work, were you like practicing? You're like, let me just get in my... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I get into it. Like, I used to run the shit out of that track loader. I'd like haul ass around the job site with it. Like, oh, like to get my practice in for battle tech on the weekends. That's insane, dude. Like that's nuts. I feel like a piece of my childhood that was supposed to exist. Didn't exist all because I didn't live in Indy. Well, we could uh, maybe do some research and try to find one. Surely somebody has one. There's people still asking about these pods that went on. It's like serious inquiries only two pods, man. I could probably build one. There's you probably could probably build one. It's like, build your own, build your own uh, BattleTech. That's nuts, dude. I did not know that that was a thing. I kind of feel, yeah, a little butt butt hurt right now that I didn't know that existed. So, I guess bring it back in, bring it, reel it, reel it back into some 30k talk, man. But yeah. God dang, I'm so like pissed off right now that that didn't exist. <laughs> Uh, let's talk right. FAQ, huh? If we have to. Well, you want to talk about the... Lo- I the know, Python. I know. We have to. So, melt bombs are no longer a thing in 30K. Well, because... Mean, they're a thing. They're just not really... Uh, they're not a viable thing. tactic anymore. Yeah, no, don't rely on a melt bomb and a sergeant because I will court us up to Initiative 5 and go beat the fuck out of him. I'll find him. <laughs> Well, not only that, but with the amount of, like, to me, it's essentially dead, at least in our meta, because with the amount of, like, artillery and quad mortars we see here, you can just snipe that guy right out of a unit. You just put the blast marker on him, and he's going to be the one to get removed. Right. So, um, it really affected our club. There's a couple guys that play here that really rely on them because they run a lot of uh, bikes, jet bikes, assault marines, things like that. And it's basically ruined their list. Like, they're going to have to literally dump three quarters of their army and go buy all new models and try to rebuild their list. So, for for those of y'all wondering, uh, and if y'all don't know, if you haven't figured out already, the Warhammer 40K FAQ became official. And inside that, all of the like I, I guess I don't they're not experimental they were like the <laughs> trial FAQs that they answered the questions are now official and one of the big changes they made was 
Well, one of the big changes they clarified, I should say, because there's going to be people well, out there that's like, no, that's how it was always played. No, was, no, no. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm, I will never be a one grenader. One grenaders are the flat earthers of the 30K universe. It was. It's clearly written in the rule book where you could always use as many grenades as you wanted in assault. Games Workshop went in and errated it. I don't care what section in the FAQ it's in. I'm not. I'm not playing that game. Like people can argue till they're blue in the face. I can put evidence forward, and no one to this date can argue with the evidence that I put forward. All they all they want to do is point to the FAQ and go, "Well, well, yeah, I'm right because the FAQ says I'm right." But I'm like, you're just using something that's in existence now to prove your point from the past, and it doesn't make any sense. And the other funny thing is, before this original, um draft FAQ, I never met a single person ever. Like, never. Like, I didn't go to an event and meet a person. I didn't see it online. I didn't hear anyone talk about it on podcasts. I didn't see it in any previous FAQs. I didn't see it in any event FAQs. I never heard anyone dispute, argue, or even talk about not using, you know, as many grenades as you wanted in close combat. Did you? No, I played at a, a, quite a few events. Like, you know, we Adepticon was before this. Event. Right. We we use melted bombs all around, and I think that was pretty common. What's I'm saying? Like, I didn't even ever hear anyone dispute it. So for all these people that are going, oh, no, it's always been that way, you're full of shit. You're a GW shill, or you've played in your basement with three other people and never played with anyone in the outside world. Because if you went to any game store any event or played with anybody that wasn't in your little circular group of three people, you would know that the rest of the world played it that way. And there was never any dispute that it was supposed to be played that way. And it's pretty clear in my opinion that forge world agreed and forge world didn't even, you know, know that it was quote unquote supposed to be played that way because they charge you five points per melt bomb on a 20 man unit. And there's no way they're going to make you pay a hundred points. If you're only going to get to use one. So I don't that whole it's always been that way thing. I like I don't know. Don't write me any emails. Don't talk to me. I don't care what you have to say. You're full of shit. <laughs> so Ryan, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Is, like I mean, we can break it down right now. It says right in the way it was worded in the rule book is it says only one grenade may be thrown per phase. But then when you go down, it, it then separates into melee and ranged. And in the range section, it refers to all ranged attacks as a grenade with a grenade as a thrown grenade attack. Right? So it's only in the range section does it say the word throw. Under the melee section, it simply says grenades can be placed. It doesn't say the word throw. It says placed. And it also says that you give up all your attacks and does all this other shit. Then, to make to to prove my point even more, under the unusual grenade section, read the last line of unusual grenades, Michael. I see you work looking at the book. Uh, it says some grenades do not have a profile. Any effects that they have will be covered in their special rule, unless specifically stated otherwise. These grenades cannot be thrown or used as a melee weapon. So, if thrown and used as a melee weapon is the same thing, then why are you saying thrown or melee? If they're implied to be the same thing, you should only ever have to put the word throw going forward and not differentiate. 
right? I mean, why <laughs> why make them different? If they're the same, you don't need to make them different. Then, if you look look at any grenade profile ever that they've put out, there's a melee profile and a range profile. In every range profile for every grenade that they've ever written, the word throw is in it. Look, there's right there in that book you're looking at. There's like five grenades. If you go through there, every single ranged profile has the word throw. Even melt bombs, it says may not be thrown, but the word throw is still in there. And then if you look in the melee section of each grenade, the word throw never appears. When shooting an armed defensive grenade makes a shooting attack, one model may choose to throw a grenade. Right. One model may choose to throw a grenade. One model may choose to throw a grenade. Yep. And then under melt-a-bombs, it says they may not be thrown. And then melt-a-bombs are cumbersome devices. Melt-a-bombs cannot be used to make a shooting attack. Right. And then if you look at all the melee profiles, none of them say the word throw. They just say, here's the melee profile, can be used to make a melee attack. And then when you go to grenades and melee, there's no there's no use of the word thrown. So none of this matters, by the way, other than I just get sick of people like arguing like that I don't I don't even know I don't know what they get out of it. That it was always this way when it clearly wasn't. Um, and they can't put forth any evidence to dispute what I'm saying. Their evidence is, well, in the FAQ, it's changed. Okay, well, that's not evidence as to what the fuck we're talking about. If you take the FAQ out of it, basically, I'm arguing is I don't know how Games Workshop, quote unquote, came to the clarification based off the way it's written in the rule book. Yeah. So you, they your liter- argument is that they don't get thrown in the fight subface. Right. No. No. Yeah. Where's the yeah. word thrown in melee? Yeah. So I get it. Yeah. Some grenades can be used to make shooting attacks or attacks in the fight subphase. I'll bet to different effects. Only one right. grenade of any type can be thrown by a unit per phase. So right. So your, your argument is that it's not thrown in the fight subphase. I get, I get, I get where you're coming from. Well, and like I said, if you read Unusual Grenades, it specifically states they can't be thrown or used as a melee weapon. And people are trying to say it's the same thing. Well, I'm like, if it's the same thing, then you would not need to word it that way. If it's exactly the same thing, you would just put Unusual Grenades may not be thrown, just like at the top of the section where it says only one grenade may be thrown per face, if it's the same thing. I get it. I hear you, man. So, anyway, um, it, it doesn't matter because they've they've just straight said now they've errated it. They didn't clarify it. It's errated <laughs> that you can only use one grenade per close combat phase, which is a very to me. I don't play forty k, so people in forty k say that this was a needed change. Um, like I said, I don't play 40 K, but I do find it funny that w- even without playing 40 K, you can take, uh, you know, Eldar Wraith guard for 320 points and have 10 guys in a unit with D guns. So 10 D guns in a unit is overpowered, but me trying to use 10 crack grenades on a dreadnought isn't or is. 
so we need to nerf it. Really? That's <laughs> that's where that's that's your thought process. Okay. okay, cool. So the problem is this drastically affects 30k to the point where it makes several units, in my opinion, totally useless. Like if you have these units, uh, find you some battle foam somewhere, pack them away, put them away. Don't look at them anymore. Don't use them anymore. They're not worth it. Like I don't I don't know how to express myself in any more clearer terms than that. Like it literally kills these units off where I don't see like even in just playing quote unquote just for fun games, they're going to be such to the point of uselessness, you're so handicapped by including them in a list at this point, I don't I don't see their purpose. Hmm. Well, I don't know, man. You're talking about like what assault marines and biker marines and all that jazz. Assault marines, outriders, and breachers. Uh, recon marines were already useless. Now they're like, I don't know, like just take a magic marker and scrape scratch their like unit out of your book. Like I don't, I don't know <laughs> what you do with those guys. Because it's like okay, I don't, I can't even get you. I can't reliably even get you out of a rhino. Like, if I want to run a bunch of assault marines, I can't reliably even get you out of a rhino to assault you. Not even attacking rear armor? Fishing for sixes, I guess? That's not reliable. Yeah, no. Hitting on threes and then going for sixes and then try to get six sixes or three sixes to glance it out. I don't think that's reliable. Ten man? Three attacks apiece on the charge? Hitting on threes, 10 attacks go through. Well, actually, more than 10 attacks go through. So that's 10 man, so that means they're going to get 30 attacks. You said hit 20. Threes, 20 hit. hit 20. And you divide that by three. So, yeah, I mean, I guess the math averages that. But that you're killing a 35-point rhino with, like, a 200 and whatever they are, 250 to whatever they are point squad. Plus your one melt bomb hit that you're going to get. Well, that's if it hits. It's got a hit on a three. Yeah. You're missing my point. The point was before I could take those assault marines and spread them out and assault like three tanks at once and kill three tanks at once. Right. Now I have to focus all like this giant, like if I run 15 assault marines or whatever, I have to focus this entire 15-man squad on a rhino to make sure that it dies. Yeah. I think, yeah, it drastically changes the way that these units play. And before, like, now you're taking a, like, an assault marine unit, like, was a very good tank-killing unit, like, tank-destroying unit, like, what, 250 points to kill, you know, up to three tanks if you wanted, you know, spread them out, kill these three tanks. And so I, I can definitely see where, like, it does But change. see, the problem is it was balanced because I had to make it there intact. I had to have my guy's position where I could assault all three tanks at once, and you had to be an idiot or I had to maneuver you into position where I could assault them all at once. So it's not just like, because people who are sitting around going, well, that's stupid. Like, I'm glad they changed it because I don't want to lose all three of my tanks. It's like there was tactics to it. Now it's, it's so in order for those assault Marines to get their points back, it's damn near impossible. That's what I'm saying. Like now they're going to have to attack one target at a time. And, and we're just talking about rhinos. Like, I'm not even, oh, look, I have a Sakaran. Okay, what are you going to do to it? It's armor 12 on the back. You can put one crag grenade on it a turn. <laughs> How many turns? You get what I'm saying? Or a dreadnought. 
Like I got, I got just an armor 12 box dread. How are you going to kill it with assault Marines? Maybe that's why they make melted bombs so expensive, so you can't be killed by a box dread. So you have to live through his. Like you, you have to have everybody with a melted bomb, so he just can't keep ripping the guy with the melted bomb out of the unit. Well, he can't anyway with the sergeant. I mean, because it's not like he's a character. All I'm saying is, it makes these like why take these guys? Like now, there's so many counters. Like if I just keep my guys in rhinos and shit, knowing that you have to go around. You have to spend. You have to make it to me, so you're going to get shot up while you're making it to me. Then, when you finally make it to me, you have to spend a whole turn of doing what you're supposed to do, which is assault, to assault one rhino to get me out of it. So then you blow the rhino up and then lose guys from the rhino exploding. Then the guys that are in the rhino get out, and then the rest of my army still shoots at you again, including the guys that just got out of the rhino. Right. It's just it's stupid. Like I don't I don't get it. I don't understand how it's supposed to work or why you take these guys. Then breachers are my favorite now because it's like, okay, like somebody takes like one of those big like 400-point fortifications, right? Right. So you roll up with this breacher team whose their entire job, their entire MOS, the whole thing behind their fluff is they're supposed to level buildings. They're called breachers. That's what they do, right? Right. They drive up and jump out of their fucking Mastodon or whatever and you swarm this building with 20 of them. And you get to put one melt bomb on it. You know what? Hold on. Like, I didn't even think about, like, against buildings, you can only use one melt bomb a turn against buildings. Yeah. Yep. So, so these people that, like, the argument is, and I'm trying to stay, like, as, like, in between this as I can. I'm not. But I'm not. I think those other people are, they're not seeing it. I, so, I don't so know the, how. I'm not being diplomatic at all. I, I think that it's bad for the game. And I think if you, without knowing what the FAQ says, if you read the current rule book and interpret it that way, I don't think you understand the English language. You know what? Okay. So, so a lot of people don't know this, but the Leviathan picture, which like tons of people hate the Leviathan picture, where it's like, uh, you know, whose turn is it to use the melt bomb or whatever? Like a ton right. of people hate that picture. I get it. I commissioned that picture. Like I had that made. Well, I think if I updated it to where like it's a a bunker, bastion. an empty bastion, and said, "Okay, whose turn is it to use the the melt bomb?" Like, oh, didn't didn't work this time. Your turn. Because like the biggest argument is, oh, well, those people would have to be, uh, uh, you know, they would have to be. Uh, distracting the Leviathan while this well, happened and all this. Well, stuff. that's like, just a dreadnought. Like that's just a dreadnought. So if you if you're really worried about dreadnoughts that much and you want to buff dreadnoughts, change their rules to where you don't put melt bombs. But how in the fuck? Okay, so if you have a, a mastodon or something that's a slow moving tank, or if you have a part uh, Scorpus whirlwind, why can I only use one melt bomb on it? I don't have to distract this thing. It's sitting still and firing rockets. I can walk up and slap as many as I want on it. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't have an answer for you. And, I and it, like, I, I even hate, like, people try to apply that realism. It doesn't matter. It's just shit game mechanics now. It's shit game mechanics. Like, the only thing that can pose a problem to any tank in close combat now, like in a Marine army, are Terminators. Do you want me to start a petition? 
So no, I don't give a shit. If they would you like, sign it, if I did, would you sign it? For what? Like to change the rollback? Because like I mean, Games Workshop they listen to us now. So no, like, they don't. Had, like a petition. They don't listen. Yeah, they... Let, okay, go back to where they put this in the draft FAQ and look at the. They had like two thousand posts on this, and I'd say one out of twenty supported the change, and nineteen out of twenty said it was stupid. And then they still went ahead and in the final like copy of the draft left it. They don't listen. I don't know. I don't think it does you any good to complain to Games Workshop. I really don't. I'm just trying to just trying to make you happy, dude. Just trying to Well the problem with it is, because this is a forty K change, not a thirty K change. If it was up to the thirty K design team, they would have never changed this. I don't think. This is just forty K See, that's the other thing, and I agree with it. A lot of the reason that I'm so upset and a lot of these other people are so upset about this one change is not necessarily the Meltabomb thing. It's like the 40K trying to push 40K-ness on 30K. Does that make sense? And this is just like a little battle that we're fighting in the greater overall war to keep 40K away from 30K. This is a symbol of that. I guess so. I don't know. But I really do think that it makes a lot of these units, you know, useless. Like, you know, Outriders, 10 Outriders is like 400 and some points if you give them, like, power weapons or whatever. And now I have this 400 and some point unit that they run into of fucking 100-point box dread, and, well, that's that. Slowly get killed. (laughs) That's exactly what happens. And I think about that all the time now. But, like, they're going to make you... Because, like, what kind of sucks is the tax you have to pay to make sure that doesn't happen. Like, even at the... You know, even if you did take bombs, you still have to pay a pretty high tax to tab those bombs to ensure that you're going to have a defensive, like... It's, it's not... Yeah, fun. but that's still one a turn. Yeah. And then, because it's a walker, you're hitting on weapon skill. So you're hitting only half the time. Mm-hmm. And then you're then one third of the time you're rolling an explodes result. And if you don't roll an explodes result, it it doesn't matter. You're still locked in combat with you, and you're still wailing on you, regardless of what other result you get. Well, it's kind of crazy as I'm thinking about it now. And my dreadnought army, you know, like this rule, like I'm I'm sorry to say, like it really works out for me, like really well because I don't use melt bombs anyway. Like I play an all dreadnought army, so like uh, you not being able to hit me with a melt bombing unit is like very beneficial to me. But even then, like even playing my dreadnought army now, like with like against my Leviathans and, or against my, you know, Cortis dreadnoughts, like, or my, my box dreads, like you, you look at my box dreads, weapon skill five, you know, front armor 12. Uh, you look at my, uh, Leviathans have a four plus invulnerable save. Um, my Cortis, I'll bump them up to initiative five. So like, you know, I'm getting my, like I, there's so many things right now that I play currently that even against the full range melt bombs, it's hard for armies to get past like a dreadnought. Like it's, it's very hard for like, even well, if we I did get, the math, 10, 10 melt vets. If you, even if you make it into combat with 10 melt vets in a right. Leviathan, the math, the math is you don't kill it. It's possible to kill it, but the math is um, it takes multiple rounds of combat and, and a lot of... Because what happens is it gets to fight first because um, melt bombs are unwieldy. And then it right. kills two or three guys. So then you're, use, you're working off 
six guys, and then they have to they only hit half the time. Then you have to roll armor pin. Then you have to roll damage results, and then it gets to divide all that in half with its four up invulnerable save. So I think we did the math that you only average like one and a half penetrates a turn with a 10-man squad after you factor in casualties. So yeah. so you figure that you want, even if you penetrate because you need to roll a five, six, a five or a six to blow it up because it's AP1, you still only one one third of the time of getting a penetrate do you actually inflict damage the damage you need to like kill it. And then if you don't, then it's still going to, you know, then the next turn it's fighting again, killing even more guys and you have less of a chance and then less of a chance. And then I don't understand why people think it's cheesy because by the time you take a veteran squad and give them all these melted bombs and weapons to fight a Leviathan, it's the same fucking points as a Leviathan <laughs> or close. So I don't, I don't get it. It's not like I'm taking, you know, it's not like I'm taking a 125 point tax squad and they all have melted bombs and I'm just running around killing 700 point super heavies with it. That's not what's happening. Like, and then these people are like, I seen somebody posting, well, now I won't get my 700 point Mastodon being assaulted by 20 breachers and killing it. I'm like, well, for one, dude, 20 breachers all with melt bombs is like 400 and some plus points. So it's not like it's that huge a points gap where that unit shouldn't be able to do their goddamn job. You're paying 400 and some points on a unit that's specifically designed to do exactly that. Also, if you're dumb enough to park your Mastodon somewhere where it's within assault range of where a full 20-man breacher squad can just jump out and assault it willy-nilly at full strength with no shielding, no whatever, what are you doing? Like, I should be punished because of your player skill? <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it. So this just like tells me that they just want everybody to take Spartans and put shit in it and just drive at each other like Demolition Derby and then get out. Like, how boring is that? Like, that's what it's going to get down to. Like, this is what happened to 40K where they start changing the rules, where it starts taking away options that you can put in your army to perform certain roles to where it gets down to a point where it's only mathematical viable to run one-third of the damn army list. And then wherever you go, you just see these same units repeated over and over and over and over again. You feel very strongly. About yeah, I do. I think it's dumb. I think it's a horrible change to the game. Write a letter. How? It won't do me any good. It will do you no good. What about a some sort of... I don't know. I mean, for real, like, you, you play a lot of Leviathans down there in Texas, right? Yeah. Okay. So what are so all these melted bombs are gone now, so it's, you can't tell me that everybody's just going to take it on the chin and just go, well, it is what it is. I guess I'll just let my whole army get killed by this Leviathan now. Everybody's going to switch to Cataphracty with Chain Fist. That's what they're going to do. It's the natural state of progression. So that now your meta, your meta is going to turn into Leviathans and Cataphractys with Chain Fist. That's it. That's your new meta. Enjoy that. And if you don't like those two units and want to play something else, sorry about you. That's what we play here because that's all you can play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, those chain fisting uh, cataphract, you don't fucking play around, Paul. But I mean, I'm being real here. Give me an answer. I mean, tell me. I mean, I don't think I. I mean, I. I think that's the way it's going to go. 
I don't know, man. Like I said, man, I like here's the problem that I see running into it right now. Like people are going to take what they want to take and, and that's, that's fine. But you're going to run into the instance where somebody's going to have like a fun idea. Like in this case, like my fury of the ancients idea, like me running a dreadnought army was never meant to be like hyper competitive or like ridiculous. It was just like a fun idea and I could not see myself realistically walking dreadnoughts across the table. So I put them in pods and all this stuff. And like to me, melta bombs, I had to play around them. Like I had to understand that like I, there was minefields of melta bombs out there. And so like I always stayed maneuverable and knew where melta bomb units were. And I understood that like if there was like an outflanking unit with melta bombs or anything like that, then I would have to tactically be aware that this was going to happen to me at some point, and I would know how to. I would have to know how. Yeah, at Circle City Heresy, you know, I played against melta bombing um, uh, out, uh, jet bikes, like a right. command squad of jet bikes. Like I knew they were out there. I knew it was something I was going to have to face. So I had to tactically like, like place a box dread in front of a leviathan. So like you know, it was easier for them to get that, and that way I went out. You know, whenever they murdered it, like I knew there was stuff that I was going to have to do to get around it. Now that there's, you know, melta bombs are are one per turn, do like my fun army to me just turned into like a fucking asshole army, like because like now it's kind of like I'm gonna get to just wipe entire units without like Well and a, a Questorus Knights night list. Think about how yeah. dumb that is now. I mean it was already pretty dumb, like to Questorus Nightless. I don't even want to pretend to think about that right now because that is going to be like. Well, I mean, you're allowing it. You're allowing it, Stiff, and I'm not telling you not to. But I'm just saying, yeah. in the in the current with this change in the current 30k environment, I don't know how you sleep at night. Yeah, there's I no, mean, you're, you're not not going to make friends with me running that shit. Yeah, even at our Golars event, we had the Questorus Nightlist ran house. It won all three of its games. Everybody had a problem dealing with it. And what sucks is like it's it's a very fun lit like it's a fun army to take. But unfortunately, like now that we're kind of moved, like it's it's not gonna be because like melta bombs were like the poor man's answer to big things. Like that's like that's how you got rid of big things if you wanted to run a lot of infantry. Now infantry are no longer an answer. Like you're gonna have to pull your army into a more medium-sized tank meta like you're gonna have to bring yourself into where you're gonna have to have which which kills me because that's what everybody's bitching about and that's what forge world was bitching about and everybody's trying to change it because all you see is parking lot fifth edition armies yeah so i don't understand this at all like i really don't get it i don't see how this is healthy or good for the game at all like you've basically made infantry. The only thing your infantry does anymore is kill other infantry, but you have to get them out of the tanks first. So why bother? Why not just run all tanks? Why, why are why are we even fucking around with infantry anymore at this point? Unless it's cataphractic terminators. Yeah. With this change, I mean, really, what are you supposed to do with it? I'm trying to think now. Like that seems like what, what kind of sucks about like playing a Costorus list is. Like playing against it is you're bringing an army to take out other armies. Like there's no way to build a all comers list that could like openly murder 
or, or, or stand a really like stand a decent chance against like a Questorus list. Why well, can with my salamanders and my? I think my salamanders can do that. And if I, I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie. Like I, for just to deal with people like that, I'm strongly considering the thirty cataphracty three Charybdis list. Yeah, why not? And then just be like, oh, that, that's what we're doing. Okay, well here you go. Enjoy this. Thirty cataphracty black shield. Strength 10. Strength 10, Power Fist, and Chain Fist. I hope that all the meta doesn't go that way. But, I don't know. Kind of kind of limits the melt bomb so. Well, and I know a lot of people are like, well, we just play 30k for fun, this and that, but, uh, like, they don't understand that this is an assault on that. Because even when you're trying to play for fun, I'm taking this from a just play for fun. I'm not saying, like, go to a tournament. Like, I signed up for the narrative of Adepticon, all that. But all I'm saying is, I don't want to go to, like, because, like, something like a Leviathan or a Knight is, in my opinion, is so, got buffed so much by this change. Like, if if you just, if somebody just wanted to run two Leviathans because they like the list, because they like that model now. Yeah, I do run two. Well, what I'm saying is just in a normal army, like, say they run all infantry, blah, 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 but they just have two Leviathans, they just throw it in there because they like the model. That becomes such an issue for some lists to deal with, just those two models, that is it going to be fun for those two models just to run through your entire opponent's army and they can't do anything about it? Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know how that's going to be running. fun. Like, that's the problem. It's not winning or losing. Like, that's going to suck the fun right out of the game. Or like my buddy Nick, he's got this Night Lord's army, so Conrad Kurz is jump infantry, right? So he can't go in any transports, right? Right. Because he's jump infantry. If you leave him running around on his own, he's just a tough six guy with six wounds. He'll get shot dead. Can't do that. So you have to put him in a unit, but you can't put him in a transport. But he's jump infantry. So the only thing that kept up with him was assault marines or bikes. So if right. you want to run your Primark with a bodyguard, all you can do is jump pack or guys with bikes. The problem is now... Conrad Kerr's a strength six. He can't hurt vehicles. Now you got either a bodyguard of assault marines or bikes. Now they can't hurt vehicles. So if you're a Night Lords player and you want to use Kerr's, where's your anti-tank at? What are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, his army's fucked. Like, that's what he did. He had, like, a big 15-man assault squad with Kerr's in there, an apothecary in there, and a chaplain in there to make it tough. But it also, that was his core anti-tank unit where he could jump around and get it get open vehicles. He can't do that anymore. Hmm. What if you like know. his whole list was like bikes and assault marines, which is fluffy, but now that fluff is gone. Same thing with white scars. If you want to run like all bike white scars, what do you, how are you going to open tanks? None of the shooting weapons on bikes or attack bikes are really anti tank. You can take multi meltas on whatever, but any tank that can take Armored Ceramite is probably going to take it now. Because what, so- what if they made it to where, like, in, like okay, everybody can use bombs, but instead of using your weapon skill, you roll your initiative versus the other unit's initiative, and all vehicles are initiative three. Well, they already do that. Like, all, we- all we- vehicles are weapon skill. You always hit vehicles on three. But... Now that you're doing initiative, 
let's say you fight a dreadnought, which is like it seems like that's like the biggest like. Well, you still contention. you still do that because you still compare weapon skills on a dreadnought. Well, let's say a you're dreadnought doing is different then. than a tank already, just using weapon skill. Let's say you're doing initiative. Like let's say you're doing like initiative four versus initiative five. Now you're hitting on fives instead or four. Or, I don't know. I guess that would still be it's the same. It's the same. That's what I'm telling you. It's no answer. I mean, I just don't. I just don't see why this was a problem. Like this wasn't a problem. This was only a problem because Games Workshop wanted to sell a bunch of big models in 40k because <laughs> fucking Riptides aren't cheesy enough. Let's make them immune to grenades. You know, that's all that it is. It's just 40k wanting to sell models. That's their goal. They don't care about a good game. They don't care about a balanced game. They don't care about any of that. They just want to sell you models. That's all they care about. <laughs> That's it. And this was a change to sell more models. That's it. This came about the same time when they gave like basic schmo box dreads like five attacks in 40k. At the same time that they were like, all dreadnoughts are like five and six attacks apiece. They also made this change to grenades. That's all that it's for. is so that people would use dreadnoughts in 40k and buy dreadnought models. Because the sales on Dreadnought models were shitty. I like your, I like how you dug deep. Like you went real deep down this rabbit hole. Like well, you, it is what it is. Like I don't like. It doesn't. Like this doesn't affect my Salamander list because it's built like all my anti tank and that is built around Terminators with Chainfist and Vulcan, and I have some flyers in there and shit like that. Like. I didn't have a, a single unit in that army that had any more melt-a-bombs in it than just one melt-a-bomb on a sergeant. So that that doesn't affect my salamanders one bit. My word bearers are the exact same way. I had two basic tactical marine squads and rhinos, so that's one melt-a-bomb per sergeant. And then I had cataphracty and galvorback and some vehicles. So once again, does not affect it at all. My militia army, there's no unit in militia that can take melt-a-bombs on the whole guys. It doesn't affect that at all. Um, other than my crack grenades. Now I can't, now militia can't even kill a fucking, talk about somebody can't kill a rhino. They're strength three. They can't even punch one to death and now they get to use one crack grenade. Oh. Solar ox is the same way. So think about that. Can't even like glance one to death even with your 20 man team. So, but anyway, so that's really no change. So the, really the only army, it's not going to affect my black shields one bit with what I have in there. It's it's not going to matter. I have a ton of strength 10. Um, the only thing it's going to affect is my Blood Angels army because I, I mean, I, I run all, I, I had a bunch of guys in there with melt-a-bombs on bikes and attack bikes and, you know, veterans or whatever to give me, you know, a decent core of anti-tank. So now I'm just going to have to switch it all over to shooting, which is fine. I can do it. I'm not saying I can't adapt. I just think it's a dumb change to the game. Because now it's like all these units that I would have ran, like Outriders or whatever, like this is a fun unit I can run. I don't see why I would run them now. They just don't. Like I'm not going to spend 400 and some points on this stupid-ass bike unit just to kill Space Marines. I can kill Space Marines with anything. Like, I took them because they were versatile and I could kill lots of stuff with it. And they were fast and fun and took on all targets. But now they're just guys that 
another thing that kills Space Marines for way more points than all this other stuff that kills Space Marines. Well, buddy, yeah, I get, I, I see where you're at. And like I said, some of the stuff like breachers, it's just like comical. Like breachers don't, they should not exist in the fluff or the game anymore. Like what, like what, what's your job again? Oh, you run up to a building and put one grenade on it. Like these other tactical Marines can do for half the points. All right, cool. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Melt guns. This time they come melt guns and graviton guns and all that. You yeah, yeah, I can do that with veterans. I can take veterans with the same loadout for half the points. Yeah. I don't know. Semi-breachers. But like you said, like you take that 600-point fortification with the turbo laser on it, and now you assault it with 20 breachers, you can put one melt-a-bomb on it. Yep. That's how it was intended the entire time. Yeah. For a hundred point upgrade, you can put one melt bomb on it per turn. So I I don't I don't understand it. I really don't. I can only hope that at a minimum they make melt bomb their own weapon system like a las cutter. That that's how I would fix it. Like a las cutter, a las cutter is its own war. It's not in the grenade section of the book, but it acts pretty much like a grenade if you read how a las cutter worked. Right. And usually it's limited to like one person can take it or. But. Right. But I just like melt bombs are already in there. Everybody like a unit like breacher should be able to take a bunch of melt bombs. And if they get in contact with the building, they should be able to level it. It's their goddamn job. That's what they're designed to do. I mean, I, I don't know. Like I said, I didn't see this as being a problem or an issue. Like, if, if you park all your tanks in a parking lot and let me multi-assault it with, like, a 15-man squad all with the melt-a-bombs, that's on you. Like, that should not never happen. That's just you being a, not paying attention or not knowing the rules or whatever. Ugh. So, no right I don't answer. know. Apparently they just want a bunch of point and click shit. Oh, I take this this big model, so I win because nobody can kill this big model. So, anyway, not a fan, but that's how it is now. But oh, the one thing I did want to bring up, uh, this does pertain to you. I would never run the Death Blossom Dreadnought anymore. I would always give it a close combat weapon. I think if I was running him in uh, armies where he like there was only like a death blossom like like in my list <coughs> there's already so much shit in close combat but like you're talking about running him no longer running a death blossom because there's no longer a where he has to get all of his shots off and then like you know kind of like blooms and then dies because he gets assaulted by the melt bomb unit. So now it's like he'll have a chance to live by taking his single shot. Well, you're he's now like, they're now one of the better close combat units in the game because they're immune to like 75% of the shit that's going to be out there that actually fights back an assault. So why would you not put a close combat weapon on that? You would want to take advantage of that entire phase. 
of the game. Yeah, it just, I mean, it really depends on how you're running the Death Blossom. Like, if if you're running I mean, him... okay, so if you give him a Storm Cannon, you're, you're sacrificing, because a Storm Cannon is six shots, right? Yeah. So you're sacrificing five shots because you get a Melt-A-Gun with the Fist. So you're giving up five Strength 7 AP3 shots to have four Strength 10, you know, AP2 shots or Armor Bane or whatever, depending on the hand weapon you have in close combat plus being able to affect an entire other phase of the game and not be and probably not be tied up in close combat. Like I think it's well worth the swap. Like I don't I don't plus you're paying points for the storm cannon where the arms free. Yeah, but you're also able to do it at range as well. Like I guess if in a drop pod, like if you're drop potting a death blossom, I could see where it would make more sense to have the close combat variant. But the problem comes in is people are fully aware of what a Leviathan does now, and it's not quick enough to, like, get away from. You know, like, it's not quick enough to, like, it to catch you. So people just run from it. Like, people just get the fuck out of there. Like, Well, but the problem is now, if you have all these tanks and all this stuff, you can close support. Like, you, there's no danger anymore. Drive your fucking Spartan wherever you want to drive it. Nobody's going to do anything to it. You can drive it right up to a, vet, a veteran squad. They have one chance to melt a bomb it. That's it. It's really not great odds of them killing it. I mean, it's going to happen every once in a while, but it's really like it's this is a I'm a piss poor player's paradise meta right now because you don't there's like so many less things to worry about. You can make so many errors, mistakes, drive your models around willy nilly and not pay any consequences for it. So like what I'm getting at is like, there's not because I don't know. I I just don't, I don't like it. It it doesn't. Well, they still get commie melts and melted guns and all that. So it doesn't seem like a really good idea to drive your Spartan up to why you just put armor ceramide on it. Oh no. I maybe take a glance if you roll a six. Like all this stuff that we're talking about should you. Okay. So now you're essentially, everybody's essentially immune to melt bombs which was the big answer to Armored Ceramite. Now you can have Armored Ceramite and be immune to Melt Bombs. Right? So why not do that? Spartans are back. (laughs) Well, I mean, there's still, I mean, you can, there's just so few answers for any of this stuff now. So that's what I'm getting at. Because you have these things that there's so few answers for, people are going to have to run the answers. And all these things are so expensive that every list is going to look, like every list is going to have to have this unit and then every list is going to have to have this unit to deal with your opponent's unit that's like this unit. That's just how it's going to devolve. And people are going to say, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to run whatever. I'm going to run destroyers. Say, all right, yeah, sure, maybe. You'll run destroyers for three games. You'll get a mud hole stomped in your ass. Realize that it's no fun to lose every game before models are even put down. And you're going to change your list. And then it's going to look the same as everybody else's list. That's just how shit evolves. Like, even when you're just playing for fun, that's how thing evolves. It's just how it works. Somebody, Your buddy comes over with his new toy and starts killing everybody, and then everybody looks for answers to kill that new toy. That's how things work. Hate to break it to people, but that's how things work. <laughs> I'll, I'll be interested to see what the uh, Adepticon meta looks like. I will be very interested to see. Like, I, I don't... Like, like I feel like Flyers might be making a comeback. A come up. I don't know. 
I'm running my same old Blood Angel shit. I'm still taking all my... You know, I just drop the Melta Bombs off shit and just whatever. I don't really care. We'll see. I'm not, I don't have time to paint a whole bunch of new models and change everything. Plus, I want to run this army the way I want to run it. I still have a decent amount of anti-tank in it. It's just very irritating. I have been considering switching my Death Blossoms over to Chain Fist, though. The not the chain fist, whatever they have the. Well, the claw is free. The chain fist is the siege drill is only five extra points. You should probably take this. I used to be a big proponent of the claw because I thought that the extra wounds in close combat was more valuable than just having armor bane on something that's already strength ten. But my buddy Nick was talking to me about it, and he's right. The quantity of things in the game that aren't just going to be straight instant death by strength ten anyway are so few that that doing extra wounds with the toughness really only comes into play against, um, well, Primarchs, because most characters are still tough five or less. It really only comes into play against Primarchs, the couple, like, handful of things that have Eternal Warrior, like Sigismund, uh, Salamander Praetor, uh, the Lord Marshal guy for Solar Ox, shit like that. Um, or some of the bigger Mechanicum, like monstrous creature guys. But that's really it. Other than that, you're almost always at a better better to take the siege drill. Yeah, I've been thinking about swapping that out. We'll see. And that's easy to fix up and paint. So, so. I don't know. I just I'm I'm not a fan of the change. I hope they do something to fix it. Yeah. Man, that's all we got for FAQ, man. I'm glad yep. you got that off your chest. You want to take a minute? You want to take a breather? No, I'm like I said, I'm fine. Like I, I just get stirred up because I think it's unhealthy for the game. It's not going to personally really affect my armies that much. The biggest one is the Blood Angels, and it's really not. I mean, I'm running armor breakthrough, so like it's going to benefit me as much as it hurts me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I have a, I have a ton of tanks and shit. So I'm just coming at it from the standpoint of. I, w- I like to be in an environment that's going to allow the widest variety of units in the game to flourish and let to be as inclusive as possible where people can build the army that they want to build and run what they think is cool in the fluff or what looks cool or what's a neat model and it do well. So by putting forth these rules that eliminate whole swaths of units' usefulness where if you take them, it's tantamount to waving the white flag before the game begins... It's it's just not. I don't think it's healthy for the game, and it and it puts people off. I'd be interested to see what tactics generate from this. What tactics come out? You mean the tactic of just driving your Spartan around, doing what you want with it, or like bogging people down, like infantry style, <laughs> bogging down a what do you call it? A dreadnoughts down with like twenty dudes. It's like, oh, can't kill them all. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, but you've paid—I don't—you've paid way more for those twenty guys than that stupid dreadnought. Yeah, I'm just kidding. That's not gonna happen. Infantry. I guess what I'm saying is, infantry is already in a bad enough spot. Now you're just taking more of their tools away. It sucks. Oh well. Let's get to list, man. Let's get off this. Yep. 
this subject. It's depressing. All right, so we got first things first. We got this Ultramarines list. Let me see. Let me get it pulled up. Taken. Okay, so this was the Ultramarines twenty five hundred points of cool model, right? Yep. Okay. So this comes from Christian. All right. This is a 2,500-point Ultramarine list. Christian says, Hi, Ryan. My name is Christian. I live in Queensland, Australia. I haven't played Warhammer 40K since around second edition. However, I'm getting back into the hobby, and specifically 30K, after seeing the sweet models Forge Rolls are producing. Attached is a 2,500-point Ultramarine's army. I have designed my list to include cool Forge World models I want to buy, which are the Storm Eagle, Leviathan, Spartan, Caesarians and tactical support squad with Volkites. Weird, but I have seen these guys modeled in Mark III and they look awesome. I also really like the look of the Forge World Apothecary, so I was going to put one with the Praetor and the Caesarians and the other with the Tax Support Squad. I currently have a Cataphractor Terminator Squad and a couple of Rhinos, which I could use in the list. I would really appreciate if you could please review my list and provide some feedback. I really enjoy listening to your podcast. Please keep up the good work and funny banter. Cheers, Christian. Uh, so, Christian, like, first things first on the list, like, uh, we kind of wanted to see if the list you gave us was your actual list you'll be running or the list of stuff you want to run. Because we weren't really sure, because there's a lot of things that were kind of like, uh, you, you kind of went over, I think, on the Elite's Choice and stuff like that. And yeah, I think you had five units. No, 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 no. That was somebody else's. That was oh, the that was space. Different yeah. Oh, yeah. You're right. You're right, though. This was the Drop Pods and Master or Bride of the Legion, right? Right. So this list wasn't legal for a couple reasons. So we'll have Michael go through the list and then I'll tell you why it wasn't legal. Okay. So first things first Praetor. Uh, uh, you took the Praetor with the Mantle of Ultramar, a Paragon Blade. You mastercrafted, or I think Paragon Blade might come. Well, anyway, you took a Volkite Charger, Digital Lasers, and Iron Halo. He's going to be rock and roll with uh, four Invictarius Caesarians. And um, then he took the Right of War, Pride of the Legion as well. Yeah, he's taking Pride of the Legion. Uh, so he took a 10-man Tactical Support Squad with a Tactical Support Sergeant and Artificer Armor. And... They have Volkite Cavaliers, Cal- Calivers, a 10-man veteran Space Marine squad. He took the veteran sergeant in Artificer Arbor. <clears throat> Sorry, I had to yawn. And he took a combi weapon. He took weapon masters on him. He gave them a Vexilla, Melta Bombs, two Plasma Guns, and he put them in Drop Pod. That's the first error. Yeah. Took a... 10-man veteran Space Marine squad with Artificer Armor, Weapon Masters, Legion Vexilla, Melt Bombs, two Plasma Guns, exact same unit. Uh, he took an Apothecary in Detachment with two Apothecaries. Both are in Artificer Armor. One has an Augury Scanner. He took a Storm Eagle Assault Gunship with hole-mounted Twin-Link Multimelta, two wing-mounted Twin-Link twin Last Cannons. I don't know what I was going to say, Assault Cannon. I guess because I saw Assault in the Gunship. Uh, he took a Leviathan Pattern Siege Dreadnought. Uh, he took two Storm Cannons, Armored Ceramite, and a Phosphixed Charger. And I guess he's just walking that up the board. No, no, uh, drop pod. No pod. So he's just walking the Death Blossom up. 
uh, Spartan Assault Tank, Armored Ceramite, Flare Shield, and Dozer Blade. And then the Sakaran Venator Tank Destroyer with Armored Ceramite. So go let them know the first mistake, Ryan. So you cannot, in 30k, just take drop pods um, just as standard. They're not an actual dedicated transport for anything uh, other than... Not, not even for Dreadnoughts anymore. So you cannot just take a Legion uh, drop pod. The only way to get Legion drop pods is by virtue of taking a Rite of War. There are certain Legion-specific Rite of Wars that unlock them. The generic one that unlocks them that anyone can take is Orbital Assault. So unless you're running Orbital Assault with Ultramarines, um, you cannot take drop pods. Which, if you want to do that, man, we can write you a list for that, which I'm totally down for some Orbital Assault. The pr- the reason I didn't rewrite your list in Orbital Assault is in an Orbital Assault list, you cannot take the Sakaran or the Spartan. Uh, so I didn't. I just tr- I basically took the drop pods out and went the other way with it and basically got rid of the drop element. Um, so what I wrote for you, I tried to keep the uh, the core of the list and the idea of the list the same because it sounds like you're like, these, these are the models that I really like. So I basically just tried to, you know, keep it to where I still used all of the models that you, oh, that you like. Now, real quick, the other thing that you messed up on, this is kind of a subtle thing. So the way Pride of the Legion works now, let me get my book and I'll, it's right here, and I'll read it word for word so I don't paraphrase and mess it up. But... So Pride of the Legion, one of the drawbacks for Pride of the Legion now is the majority, so that means you have to have more, the majority of units in the detachment must have the Legion Astarte special rule. Uh, So uh, an example is, so if the detachment contains seven units, at least four must have the Legion Astarte's rule. So this does not... Um, give dedicated transports a pass. Like, dedicated transports still count as units in your army. So if you're counting dedicated transports, you have the Sakaran, the Spartan, the Leviathan, the Storm Eagle, and two drop pods, which is six things that don't have Legion Astartes, which would mean that you needed seven things with Legion Astartes. And you have the Praetor, the Suzerains, uh, the tactical support marines, the two veteran squads, and the apothecaries, which is only six. So you're uh, even right now, six on six. So it's illegal based on that. So you would have you have to fit uh, another marine unit in in order to take all these uh, vehicles that you've taken. So this is how I this is what I changed the list to. So I got your Praetor in here. Uh, he has a Mantle of Ultramar, a Paragon Blade, a Volkite Charger, Melt-A-Bombs, Digital Lasers, Iron Halo. He's 200 points. Then I have a 10-man Veteran Squad with Legion Vexilla, two Melt-A-Guns, um, the Sergeant has Artificer Armor, so Vexilla, two Melt-A-Guns, Sergeant has Artificer Armor, and they have Marksman, which gives them Sniper and Outflank, and they are in a Rhino, and the Rhino has a pintle-mounted multi-melta. Then I have a second veteran squad that's exactly the same. 
So it's the exact same with the two melted guns and the uh, pencil melted, multi melted on the Rhino. All that's the same. Then your your ten man tactical support Marine squad. I basically kept it exactly the same, but I pl- split it into two five man units. So by splitting it into two units. Uh, it's going to give you two separate scoring units and two separate targets for the enemy to shoot at. Plus, and you're going to have the same amount of firepower, but mainly what it does for you is it gives you another Legion Astartes unit so that it unlocks more ability for you to take more vehicles or more non-Legion Astartes units. So I have a five-man tactical support marine squad, uh, all with Volkite Calibers, the sergeants in Artificer armor, then I have a second five-man tactical support marine squad. All five of them have Volkite Calibers, Sergeant Artificer armor. Um, for elites, to save some points, I just dropped you down to a single apothecary in Artificer armor uh, with a uh, with an augury scanner. And then for a second elite's choice, I took nine suzerains. They just all have the bolt pistols and axes, and they'll uh, go with your... Um, Praetor, obviously. For fast attack, I took the Storm Eagle. It's the exact same as you have it, except I swapped the Multi-Melta for a single missile launcher. It just saves you a lot of points, and it makes the range match up on all the weapons. Uh, I found that it's actually harder than you think to get the Storm Eagle in Melta range, because the way the FAQ changed the rules for jets is the guns on the jets can only fire down at a 45 degree angle so if you think about that by the time that you're in melter range there's like this little bitty three inch sweet spot that you're either going to be too close or not close enough i don't know if that makes sense or not to you yeah but if you if you get the model out on the table you'll see what i'm talking about um so then for heavy support i have your sicker and venator tank destroyer the only thing i did was drop armored ceramide off of it um i'd left the it's just the base tank uh then I took uh, the Spartan for a second heavy support slot. It's exactly how you have it. So a Spartan, Armored Ceramite, Flare Shield, Dozer Blade. This, the nine Suzerains and the Praetor and probably the Apothecary will all go in there. Um, and then I have the Leviathan Siege Dreadnought. I switched it up a little bit just based on the talk that me and Michael had earlier. I switched it to have the Leviathan Siege Drill with built-in Meltagun, Leviathan Storm Cannon, two torso-mounted twin-link Volkite Calivers, Armored Ceramite, and Phosphex Discharger. And this is uh, exactly 2,000 points. Um, so, the reason I had to, you know, drop... I dropped some of the war gear and stuff that you had just to make points work out. I had to put the guys over in the Rhinos just to make the list legal and all that. So, this list should include all the models that you wanted it to include. Um, it's totally legal, and should have, you know, should still be pretty good and still have all the same theme that you wanted. Um, me and Michael were talking a little bit earlier uh, to make this Leviathan more effective. What you could do is drop uh, drop a couple of the suzerains. What did I? And then drop the drop some of the war gear off the veterans, like. I mean, any you could do any combination of things. You could get rid of the armored ceramide on all this, or uh, sorry, artificer armor on all the sergeants. That gives you forty points, um, whatever. But basically, free up eighty-five points. You just need to come up with eighty-five points. So drop drop a couple suzerains and then drop some war gear. Get eighty-five points. 
put a chaplain uh, in the army. I'm I'm going over this wrong. What did I mess up? We had talked about. Basically, we wanted to get the Leviathan in the. I know what it was. Drop the suzerains back down to the five man squad, and then drop some war gear, and it'll give you enough points to put the Leviathan in a drop pod, and then take a, a chaplain, and that gives you the, the chaplain uh, gives you the extra Legion of Stardes unit that you need to offset the drop pod, and then the drop pod makes the Leviathan better, and then the chaplain gives some of the hitting power back to the suzerains. Right. That's what we talked about. So, but anyway, that, that's, uh, I hope that that list helps you out. I mean, like I said, I fit everything from your original list in this list. I just had to move some, um, war gear and stuff around and I, I cleaned some things up and made, put like basically optimized your war gear based on my opinion of what I've seen in playing games. No, I mean, it makes sense. I dig it. I think it'd be like a fun army to play, if anything. And I'm sending this to Michael right now to send to you. Oops. Give it a try, man. Let us know. We'd definitely like to hear some feedback on how it worked out for you. Like, I'm pretty sure you have a lot of painting because it sounds like a lot of these models you don't have and this is just stuff you wanted to order. But I like how you're a rule of cool, man. It's like, this is what I want in my list. Like, <laughs> oh, I know some of the points we. So I don't know if you just really, 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 really like the Storm Eagle specifically, but the Fire Raptor looks a lot like the Storm Eagle. It's the same like body design. It just has guns instead of doors. Um, the Fire Raptor actually fits better in this list than the Storm Eagle does because you're. I'm guessing you're going to want to put the troops, the assault troops in the um, uh, Spartan. So you're really not transporting anything in the Storm Eagle, which is fine. You're using it as a gunship, but you could switch it over to a Fire Raptor, and it looks very similar, and it's going to fit more of your role as a gunship. And like I said, it saves you points so that if you wanted to get rid of some other things in the list to make room to put that Leviathan in a drop pod and fit that Chaplain in, it would be easier for you to do that. That was the other thing I wanted to bring up. Yeah, especially if you're not transporting anything in it. If it doesn't make sense to take it. Because I think everything was going in the Spartan anyway, so Fire yeah. Raptor was the way to go. Yeah. So, let us know, man. Be interested to find out how that works out for you. I just sent you his list for you to email yeah, to. Yeah, I'll forward it to him. So that's that one. So now we also have another list, and this is going to be from Mr. Ramos, and he says. This is going to be a Fury of the Ancients list, and I want to say it's 2,500 points. It doesn't say it at the bottom, but I think, I think it's 2,500. And it is, he's saying, ow. I was trying to see if there was a way to maximize dreads in the idiocracy of mandatory HQ choices. So he, the email says, my take on Fury of the Ancients, and he took a salamander list uh, with a shitload of, of uh, dreadnoughts. So in the list itself, he took a Forge Lord with Conversion Beamer, Power Weapon, Refractor Field, Cyber Familiar, Dragon Scale Swarm Shield, 
and four servo automata with missile launchers. So like this is like a just a fat unit of just <laughs> I guess uh Forge Lord sitting there. I think he's like two hundred and forty three points or something like that. Massive unit. He took a Primus Medicaid, an Artificer Armor, Charnable Saber, uh, and with an Inferno pistol for 135 points. He took his first Dreadnought Talon, which is a Dreadnought Flamestorm Cannon, Dreadnought Close Combat Weapon with Graviton Gun. A second, in that same Talon, he took a second Dreadnought with Flamestorm Cannon, Dreadnought Close Combat Weapon, Graviton Gun. Uh, he took a second Dreadnought Talon with Dreadnought Close Combat Weapon, Graviton Gun, Dreadnought Close Combat Weapon, Graviton Gun, Dreadnought with, uh, Dreadnought with Volkite Culvern, Dreadnought Close Combat Weapon, I didn't know the normal Dreadnought can have a Volkite Culverin. Yeah. Okay. And he took a Contemptor Cortis class Dreadnought Talon. He took three Cortis Contemptors with Dreadnought Close Combat Weapon with a and a Dreadnought Chain Fist. Both have Graviton Gun in there. He took three of those in one Talon. He took a Deardeo Dreadnought with Torso Mounted Twin Linked Heavy Flamer. Carapace mount is Aelia, Aelia, Aeolos, whatever, Aelos? Aeolos? Aeolos? It's more fun to watch you struggle. It's a it's an Aeobundus missile launcher with uh, Armored Ceramite. He took a Leviathan Pattern Siege Dreadnought with Leviathan Pattern Siege Dreadnought Drill, Leviathan Storm Cannon, Armored Ceramite, and Vulcan for 425. He says, I know there's a lack of Dreadnought transportation, but I wanted to max out Dreads on the table. I have another list at a higher points cost where Cassius Dracos can be in the table as well. So, real quick on this list. The well, first real quick, thing how's take, he taking... Oh, yeah, I guess he could because he's taking Vulcan, Vulcan to unlock yeah. the right of war. Yeah. So he's taking Mass the Fury of the Ancients. Okay, he's using Vulcan to unlock the right of war and all this. First things first, I tell you, is... So, you look at this army list... And you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve kill points on the table. As well, because you're taking Fury of the Ancients, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine possible additional kill points that they can get regardless of the mission you're playing. So the other thing is, on top of that, is uh, Vulcan also gives a D, additional D3 for price of failure. And in this list, he's uh, looks like he's just running around on foot by himself. So, yeah. So, basically, you, you're possibly, like, if you're playing a kill point mission, you could possibly give up, like, 26, like, points to the enemy. Like, it, it's crazy. Fear of the Ancients... When they first came out with it, and it was originally the Fury of the Ancients rule was the kill points were only for the troop choice dreadnoughts, it made sense. Right now, the way they have it done, it just doesn't make sense because every dreadnought that dies counts as an additional kill point or additional point, regardless if you're playing kill points or anything like that. It just, it's very difficult to play and it's very difficult to actually like make that work. But that being said, uh, I get what you want to do. I actually made pretty much in a very simple list, uh, a very similar list to what you're doing as well, just because I wanted to see how I can maximize the dreadnoughts on there. And I kind of figured the, the easiest way to get what you want to do and get away from that giving your enemy kill points 
what I would do is I would drop that 243-point Forge Lord and run two tactical squads instead and then get out of that Fury of the Ancients Rite of War. Uh, that way, and, and you can pick any other Rite of War you want. You can swip, swap that Primus Medicae over to just a Delegatus or something like that for about the same points. You really don't need a Primus Medicae at that point because you're not going to be running Fury of the Ancients anymore, so you're not required to take that tax. So take that Primus Medicae, maybe turn it into a Delegatus, and since you're not running the Forge Lord, because he was just going to be sitting in the backfield anyway. Well, if he's, like if, he's running, if he's running Vulcan, if he's set on running Vulcan, he gives you the right of war. You don't even need to take a Delegatus. You could literally run a 50-point Centurion yeah, just to that's, have a... Yeah, that's that's more of what I was meaning to like say. It's just, you know, 50-point, just standard HQ choice to, to get right. your HQ tax. But that's going to give you enough points to run two tactical squads, and you're running enough Talons here to where you you mean you have four elite choices you can pick and you've run everything in three talons so you're actually going to have a fourth elite choice spare that you could use anyway. I mean you you there's nothing here you're not taking enough dreadnoughts to require fury of the ancients yet. So unless I mean unless you just don't want tactical squads this is this is something that you you just give so much to the enemy. By well, and as far as scoring units, the Contemptor Cordis, even though he's taken of his troops, can never score because of their rules. So he's only he only ends up with the. You can't take Contemptor Cordis's troops. Only Contemptors. So well, the, they wouldn't oh, score anyway. Okay, yeah. so well, it doesn't matter either. My point still stands that the only scoring he had were the four box dreads. Yeah, four box so dreads. He, would be he's good. not really losing out on a lot of scoring by switching over to just running some tactical marines. Yeah, two tax squads, man. I think. I mean, it, just going over going over the the list itself, like you're you're dropping from four scoring units to two scoring units. Does Vulcan have objective security? Oh, he doesn't. Or no. he didn't have yeah, implacable advance. Anything? Oh like no, that. no. So yeah, I mean, you're, you're dropping down two, but if you were going to be running box dreads anyway, uh, I don't. I wouldn't expect them to to be able to score or to, to get onto locations quickly enough, but. Let's go over the list itself. Like let's let me, let's look at your loadout and let's see what everything you have down. So first things first, your dreadnought talons with the flamestorm cannon and dreadnought close combat weapon. Uh, totally totally dig them. They're kind of. Uh, I guess if you're gonna be in range to use a flamestorm cannon, like flamestorms are great in Zomor. Drop pods or yeah, drop pods. Yeah, you're gonna need you're. If you're going to be running up, like, Flamestorms are awesome for, for alpha striking, but people know that you have Flamestorms, so they're either going to kill those as soon as they get close enough. Like, those are, like, turn four, turn three or four, kill the Flamestorm cannon. Because I know you're going to have to run up to me, and I know that you're in the backfield. It's going to take a while to get to me. You're a beefcake because you got the close combat weapon. Like, it's it's going to be... If, if you're going to run anything... Uh, Flamestorm cannon in open field is not really a good idea. Definitely put it in a drop pod. If that's not the case, if you don't have it in a drop pod, what I would probably do is just swap that Flamestorm cannon out for the other Dreadnought close combat weapon. That way you get that additional attack and then another Graviton gun. Because right now at this point, it it just I don't ever see that Flamestorm cannon really getting its chance to blow its load all over some tactical Marines like you're planning on it to. Except maybe, I mean, unless you're going for anti- alpha striking drop pods on you like somebody deep strikes in tries to blow off one of your uh 
one of your dreadnoughts with uh, melted bombs, then the flamestorm cannon could come into play. Because really, you're going to be running in a big old group of uh, dreadnoughts, all kind of inching forward slowly, trying to trying to catch objectives and all that jazz. So, I guess yeah, I guess he could use it for that. But I really don't see unless you're playing against a drop pod army. I don't ever see that flamestorm cannon really ever getting a shoot off. Do you? No. Yeah. I could see Graviton Gun coming into play because you're basically lobbing Graviton. I mean, even then, it's only 18 inches, but it's still way more than the 8-inch. Well, you get, a move, you get a move 6 and then shoot yeah. it 18, so it's a 24-inch threat range. Yeah, so 24-inch threat range, you unload some Graviton, and then uh, John as well, just on your Graviton Guns, solid choice, man. I'm slowly going to be switching over to Graviton Guns instead of Assault Cannons. Uh now for me, it's a I drop pod in and I graviton gun the fuck out of whatever would be in front of me, and then next turn, you know, while it's sitting there, kind of trying to get it gather itself together because it just had its tank blown up, it doesn't do a lot, and then I charge it. For you, I could see where this is going to kind of like keep an enemy in place, or you know, pop transports as well while you're running up forward. Uh, so I get it. Like it, it does definitely see like a. A good choice. I don't see a melt gun coming into like a really good play because you got the dreadnought close combat weapons anyway. So you're gonna rip tanks open. So graviton guns definitely the way to go. Um, your second unit you took that second dreadnought close com- that second dreadnought talon. You have a dreadnought close combat weapon, dreadnought close combat weapon, both graviton guns. That's honestly how I load everybody out. 155 points across the board. Like just take three of those instead of the flamestorm cannons. Uh. Then you took a Dreadnought with Volkite Colverin and a Dreadnought Close Combat Weapon. Do you, I mean, I know it's 150 points, but Volkite Colverin is like... Do you see that really doing a lot of damage, Ryan? Do you see that like dishing out for what its point's worth? No, not really. I mean, I I think I would, at that point, just rather have the free multi-multa that comes on it. Yeah. That's what I was kind of thinking, because that way you're slinging out long-range hate. Like, Volkite Calvarin are only good if you're playing, uh, like, Mechanicus or uh, a Solar Auxilla army or something like that. And, I mean, at this point, you're not... It, it, they're only good in numbers because you're basically going to be wiping a unit. This is going to be giving you free pop shots at, like, weak units, and I don't really see you playing that much against it. I think you'd get more benefit out of either a multi-melta or just another dreadnoughtless combat weapon with the graviton graviton there'll be five points more but you're gonna have points left over once you drop that primus medicaid and that forge lord um your contemptor cordis man i love them dude this is exactly how i would run like in the list that i built in the the pretty much the same list it's very close to this one except i didn't take the the daredeos or anything like that the Contemptor Cordis, this is the exact way that I run Contemptor Cordis now. Dual Graviton Gun, Dreadnought Chain Fist, Dreadnought Close Combat Weapon. Uh, one thing to definitely remember that I did not realize until the last game of Circle City Heresy is Contemptor Cordis have fleet. Did not realize that till the last turn of uh, Circle City Heresy. I should have been playing it the entire time. Contemptor Cordis just got like probably... 50% better in my eyes once I found that out. It's insane to me. Like, that's they're so good now. Like, they're so good before because you're getting the uh, two-inch on your run. So you're going to be moving your normal six. You get an additional two inches on your run. 
plus you have fleet, so that means you can re-roll your run roll, so your your quarters are going to be hauling fucking ass. Like, it's just, like, regardless, your quarters are going to be moving. I know you're a little bit worried because there's no transportation for the dreadnoughts, but if you could maximize on quarters dreadnoughts and just haul an ass up there, yes, they won't be able to capture anything. Yes, they won't be able to do anything like that, but, oh, my God, it's going to be so solid. And honestly... I see as well you took a Daredeo pattern dreadnought, which I'm assuming is going to be because you're afraid of flyers coming in and just like unloading on you. But the cool thing about dreadnoughts is they're so easy to get in cover and like get behind things that, uh, and there's so many targets as well that if they do bring on something like a lightning or, you know, just a tank killer, like, you know, just classic tank murderer lightning. I don't really see the point of you taking a Daredeo to counteract that lightning because you can give up a 155 point dread to a lightning. Like you don't have anything, like you don't have this like massive uh, unit except maybe your Leviathan. You don't have this massive unit that you want to protect by buying an anti air, uh, anti air <clears throat> tax. So. Like, do I, I? I really don't see the value in the Daredeo. Well, maybe he's just using it because he doesn't have any long range fire support to maybe, like, you know, shoot a Sakaran Venator or something like that and just make me stun at every turn or a Sakaran Battle Tank to keep it from killing Dreadnoughts every turn. I just, I don't see, do you see a Dreadnought or do you see a, a Sakaran killing a Dreadnought every turn? Yeah. Hmm. Well, what I was going to suggest doing is I was going to suggest taking that Daredeo. Dropping it off, for, I mean, that's 240 points that you're losing. So, and using that point saving and upgrading the second Dreadnought Talon to another Cortis Talon, instead of taking that Dreadnought Close Combat Weapon, the Dreadnought, Dreadnought uh, Volkite Calvern. So instead, take five Cortis. And because, and I know it doesn't make a lot of sense now because it doesn't seem like a really big deal, but the biggest issue that I run into when I'm running my dreadnoughts, my box dreads do not have an invulnerable save, and it sucks. It sucks, Dick. Like it's it always comes into play. I always realize, oh well, there's nothing I can do now. It's dead. I'm sorry, you blew it up. It's dead. I don't get this. Like the five up makes such a huge difference, and by switching your Cortis over to dreadnoughts, they'll still be elites. I mean, it's going to be uh, thirty. No, it'll be twenty five points more. So that's 75 point or 50 points to upgrade those two. And so that'll leave you 190 points. So, I mean, really, you could take three more Cortis by dropping the Daredeo and upgrading those two Dreadnoughts over. So you can have six Cortis running up the field. And they're much faster than the Dreadnought Talon. They have the five plus invulnerable save in the front arc. Um, I mean, it just, to me, if you're just going to be running them on foot, that seems like the best way to go is just take six run them forward and i don't see the value in the daredeo so although it's cool it's badass to have a daredeo because you're running all dreadnoughts but i think for what you're trying to do like, if you're gonna take the daredeo i don't know why you put the twin linked heavy flamers on it yeah definitely go Ever. with the heavy bolters if you're gonna have because you you shouldn't be uh moving that daredeo if he's there for anti-air and then as well he's long range fire support so you don't really expect him to get in any sort of uh Close combat. I don't even know why they give him heavy flamers to be honest with you, but because he's supposed to be zone mortalis, they keep putting in the fluff that it was something about zone mortalis. 
Yeah. But you plasma cannonade. Yeah. So that's a. Uh, I mean, I know I've kind of thrown like a lot of things out there, but Cortis Dreadnoughts, man, they're so fucking fast. Like it doesn't like I know it doesn't seem that way right now, but look at all the uh, like always remember that you have fleet and then always remember that you can overcharge that reactor. And my God, dude, they're so quick. Uh, Last thing on the list is the Leviathan with the siege drill and the storm cannon and armored ceramite. Uh, I think we kind of talked now that that's kind of like the badass loadout, right, Ryan? Like, I think so. I mean, that, I mean, obviously he's Salamander, so he can't take the Phosphex Discharger. But yeah, that's the that's the only thing that kind of sucks about it because the Phosphex. Well, and I, I personally, especially running it on foot, would find points to upgrade those heavy flamers to the calibers. Yeah, to give it some range while it's running up there with everybody else. Right. What's cool is you could run a Mighty Duck screen on the Leviathan while you're running forward. Give it some sort of cover save. I mean, it's got a no, it's got a four up and vulnerable save in the first place. Yep. So. But he just has Vulcan on foot, hoofing it as well, just to have another tough target to kill. Is this how many points this is? Is this three thousand points? I'm guessing. I don't think it's three thousand. It's actually twenty five hundred points. So, it's a twenty five hundred point list. Um, I honestly I don't know what he's supposed to do with Vulcan. That's where you come in because I've never played Vulcan. I don't know like how he is running. Well, he he obviously has to get close to be effective. I mean, he does have the one of the better shooting attacks that a Primarch can have, but it it still needs to be close to be used. Um, He's just going to be moving him six and then running in them, running him with fleet until he gets close. I guess it's just another beat stick target you have to shoot at. Um. You know, at some point you're gonna have to kill him, or he's gonna hit your lines. But I don't know that he's. Would you Would you run Cassian instead of Vulcan? Me personally, yeah, I think in this list, it, and it fits fits his theme of dreadnoughts more better or better too. I think I would drop Vulcan, then take a Delegatus for the HQ, um, to unlock the uh, right. Or actually, you don't need a right of war. No, it definitely it, at this point there's no real right of war needed. Yeah, so just take take Vulcan and then for your HQ take Cass and Dracos is two seventy five I think. Um, oh man, that's gonna save you some points for more dreadnoughts. Yeah, and then then he could do the thing you talked about about getting rid of the Dorado and end up probably with four Cortis instead upgrading the two normal dreads and then taking two extra Cortis. Dreadnoughts, which would increase his dreadnought count by three because you're putting in Cass and Dracos and then some more Cortis dreadnoughts. Does that mean you have six Cortis running on the field with with Cass and Dracos? Mm, yep. Or wait, no, because he's getting four more on top of the three, so seven. So seven Cortis, because it would Cortis. be he's upgrading these two, then yeah. taking two more. Okay, so he's taking two more. Okay, yeah. That is like insane level of graviton as well. Like I feel like the graviton gets so overlooked on leaving the templates there. But like, could you imagine somebody? Because he'll be dropping down at seven. He'll be dropping down fourteen graviton templates once he's in that eighteen inch range. Yep, that's batshit. That's batshit crazy. Like eighteen graviton. And I here's something that I have a question like to pose to you. 
does every graviton you roll over do you have to roll a separate test for or is yes. there only one nope. okay so yes. that's it, each each individual piece of terrain triggers a um a test so even if you like see i know people can't see but i have five poker chips in my hand so let's say these were templates and i i literally put them all in the same spot and they didn't scatter so they were all stacked like this where they occupied the same space if i drove over this it's still five individual checks so like if you hit a uh, uh, a Spartan with fourteen graviton blasts. What's well, dead? Well, so you don't yeah. have to worry about dangerous terrain. <laughs> well, they, let's say they all failed or whatever. Okay, <laughs> and then go buy a lotto ticket, <laughs> then, then come back and finish your game. So if that Spartan decided to drive, or maybe you annihilated another Spartan, and another Spartan drove over that same spot the Spartan was. That Spartan's taking fourteen graviton, or that that Spartan's taking fourteen checks, yes, for driving over this spot of death, like this yes. super like. In, I cannot imagine like a diamond is being formed because there's all this gravity in this one spot, like. Yep. Yep. So just remember that, like, when you're running your seven gorgeous dreadnoughts with graviton, unloading all their shit. I don't think all seven <coughs> of them are going to make it. Unless you're playing night fight and you're really good at hiding, but uh, but definitely like I could definitely I would not take Vulcan when you have the chance of taking Cassian Dracos. Uh, I actually built a list very similar to this, only be and I only took Salamanders because I was like it would be even cooler to take Cassian Dracos in there just to kind of lead the front of the charge. And he's so fucking brutal. He's so hard to kill as well that you could. If you weren't playing a very smart opponent who didn't realize all the rules he had to him, you could basically get a free turn of shooting against him, and then they realize like there's no point in shooting at him while there's other corpses behind him and stuff like that. So, but other than that, man, I'd love I would love to see this like a bat rep on this list. I would love to see like how it lasted. I could definitely see people out maneuvering it. Uh, bike lists should scare the shit out of you. Why uh, attack? What are, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? Dude, fucking, what do you call it? Uh, Autocannon, bike list, man. That scares the you're shit saying, out of you know? You're saying attack bikes, not outrider bikes. Yeah, attack bikes. Well, even outriders. Strength strength four, man. I lost my no. Cortis to fucking uh, Fury no, of the Legion no. tactical no. squad that saw my don't, ass. Don't listen to Michael. Do not be afraid of outriders. Well, they, they got one, they got one so, melt bomb a turn now for 400 fucking points. Well, Don't worry they wouldn't charge it. you. They just drive behind you and just unload their fucking twin linked bolters on your ass. And then yep. you've got so they're spending 400 points to shoot bolt guns at you, and you've spent 150 points for a dreadnought. I yeah. think you'll be okay. 180 points a dreadnought, and that's a huge deal, by the way, John. Is 180 points? Like you've got to remember, like your gun dreadnoughts are gonna die. Your 180 point Cortis, it's gonna die. Don't worry about it, dude. Like, like it's such a small victory for them to kill one of these dreadnoughts, but they're so durable. Just remember, like, you're gonna lose probably three of these dreadnoughts. But once those other four are in their face, or the, I'm sorry, the other six, because you still got the other dreadnought talent. Once these other six dreadnoughts are in there, fucking stuff up, it'll all be worth it. So, I'd be interested to see if this makes it. Like, I want to see if this list could make it to the to the enemy lines or whatever. I feel like it really, really depends a lot on deployment. I think if somebody was playing 
where you're having to come, like if they have a long table edge where they can really yeah. spread their army out, they could blow a hole in one flank or the other and then just yeah. move all their shit to the one flank and you'll never, then you're running at an angle across the board while they can like basically rotate. If you're playing hammer and anvil where the board's really narrow and you can make a wall of dreadnoughts and go at them. Right. You can force them to the back of the board where they can't retreat anymore and you could possibly catch them. But if you're playing where they get long table edges or if they have a lot of outflanking stuff or stuff like that. The whole time. Yeah. So, and then as well, man, like with the two tactical squads we talked about you taking, <coughs> just remember like that, those two tactical squads, like nobody ever remembers about them. Unless you play a good opponent and then the opponent's like, oh, I'll just kill these two tactical squads and we're good to go. Like, then there's no way he could win. You could but. you could do like my old Grey Knight army where it was the the original scoring units are for the week where because the original Grey Knight codex I wanted to take all Grey Knight terminators but this was back when they were elites. Uh-huh. So I had to take two troop choices. So in order to get max terminators I just took it was back when Imper- or when uh, Inquisition and Grey Knights were mixed the old paperback one. Right. Um I just took two minimum five-man stormtrooper squads just to unlock where I could take as many Terminators as I wanted, and I just right. modeled them as corpses on the ground. <laughs> did you really? I, did, I just basically I just modeled them as dead guys and then put them on the table, and I never rolled any dice or even moved them. I basically just spotted my opponent 100 points just so I could run <laughs> what I wanted to run. So I just modeled them as dead. And the, the fluff was that these guys like went in to see whatever the threat was and just got murked. So then they decided to send in the Grey Knight Terminators to deal with it. Do you have pictures of those? I'd love to see pictures of those. If you saw no, it, that's an old ass. I've sold all my Grey Knight stuff. I just had, like I said, they were just Stormtrooper guys that were just dead, modeled dead on the ground. <laughs> Ten of them. So good. Oh, that's funny. So, so yeah, man, that's what I would do. Uh, definitely send pictures of that army. I love seeing Dreadnought armies. Uh, I will have... And all dreadnought, no drop pot army here soon enough myself. And I'll keep in contact with you. Maybe we can work, help each other out. A support group for the dreadnoughters out there. But so that's that, man. That's that's it for that's it for list this week. So I know we have some shout outs we need to give out, and as well, we may have a surprise for you at the end of this podcast if you just listen. But we'll talk about that. Uh. I guess the let's go to the first shout out over here. Carolina Heresy. Wait for it. Sorry, it's in my other email, guys. So this shout out comes from joseph and joseph says hey michael and ryan i just wanted to shoot you guys an email i was listening to your most recent episode and heard a list review you did where the guy said he moved to north carolina well i figured i would be a good idea to let him and anyone else in north carolina area know that we do have a facebook group for heresy players we are based out of the charlotte area and are three months away from running our first narrative event I'm also coming to Adepticon to play some Heresy, so hopefully get to meet you and Ryan there. I'll include a link for the Facebook group and the event. I will also be happy to come on and talk about the event. So definitely, Joseph, we'd love to have you on to talk about the event. We'll work something out. I'll find you on Facebook, and we'll do that. 
But uh, for those of y'all wondering about the Facebook group itself, it's called Carolina Heresy. It is a closed group. I'm joined with it. And uh, for those of y'all in the Charlotte area, I guess it's like Carolina in general, or even just the East Coast, <clears throat> then definitely uh, get that added on there. So maybe you can uh, get some group. Looks like there's a pretty good number of members on there right now. And they're all talking heresy as we speak. So hopefully we can get you on, uh, Joseph, to talk about your your event there. And uh, if you're in the Carolina area, make sure that you uh, get that uh, get on that group. Only makes sense. So what else do we have here? We also have the. Florida shout out the Florida event. Give me one second here, Ryan. You want to talk about free boot as well? I yeah. So up. the there's a uh, charity auction going on for the free Buddhist forum. Um, so the way it works is a lot of people on the forums donated 30k models. All these models were sent to different to uh, either the same people that donated them or other people, and they were all painted up. Um, they were all painted up into five separate armies. Those five armies then went on to eBay, and then all of the proceeds that we make off the eBay sales, 100% of the money is being donated to the Toys for Tots, which is a charity run by the U.S. Marine Corps that they buy uh, Christmas gifts for needy children around Christmas time. So the first two auctions have already been up, and they are over and sold. Uh, the third auction uh, of five it's currently on eBay right now. It is a uh, Dark Angel army, pretty good sized Dark Angel 30k army. Um, so definitely get on uh, eBay and check that out. You can just type in uh, Dark Angels 30k charity army or you know Free Buddhist charity into eBay and it'll come up. It's the Dark Angel army, or you can go to our Facebook page and we got a link on our Facebook page. If you want to just click that link, they're pretty sweet painted models. So do something good for kids that didn't get Christmases. Yeah, so it's definitely a good charity. There's going to be two more auctions. The other two that are not out yet are a World Eater Army and a Imperial Fist Army. So look for those later. Whenever those come up, we'll definitely shout those out. Heck yeah, guys! So last thing is going to be the Florida event that I kept mentioning. We got an email from Tom, and Tom is having a an event called the Assault on Keltos 5, and that's going to be Saturday, January 7, 2017, in Wesley Chapel, Florida, about 30 minutes north of Tampa. Uh, it's going to be $35 to get in. It's going to go from 9, PM, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., with all crazy kind of link table shenanigans. Anyone in the interested can join the Paradox 30K group on Facebook or email Tom at Tom Waskovich, which is T-O-M-W-A-S-K-O-V-I-C-H at hotmail.com. And uh, he included some pictures of his venue. Uh, like I said, man, this place looks like a retirement village. Like, it's so nice. Like, not in a bad way. Like, not in a old people go there. Like, this is like a... Not wearing like, a white vinyl belt with uh, gray pants that are pulled up around your belly button. And... Right. This looks black like... Black patent a, leather slip-on shoes. Yeah, it looks like it's on a lake 
like uh, I don't, I can't really tell. Like the 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 actual venue itself looks like uh, you get waited on by staff the entire time, if that makes sense. Or like if somebody offended you, you'd slap them with a white glove. You should lay and, down with your hands behind your head and scream, "Pool boy, grape me!" And people <laughs> pool boy, grapes. move my Terminator squad forward. <laughs> oiled me up like it's a super nice venue uh should be I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing some pictures of this because like it does look like a nice little getaway so look forward to that man florida people get some get some heresy going on i actually i need to join that paradox 30k group now that i think about it now that i'm right here doing it paradox 30k so oh dang they got a whole bunch of members so anyway last thing we have on the shout out here is going to be the podcast man guys the podcast community for 30k has been blowing up recently and if you're listening to us then that means you like podcast and if you're listening to us that means you also like 30k so we have some other podcasts that you might be interested in Uh, i'm just gonna kind of go down the list real quick and just give you all an idea of what other podcasts are out there. You've got the newest podcast on the block. It's the Sons of Heresy podcast. It's going to be out of the UK. Uh, you have the Northern Heresy and the Varangian Heresy podcast. Both are going to be out of uh, Sweden on that one. Uh, you have the Covenant of Fire podcast, which I've actually been on. Uh, that's going to be Jake out of Tennessee. Um, you have the Age of Darkness podcast. Uh, they're out of Canada, right? I believe Age of Darkness out of Canada. That's right? JP, right? Yeah, 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 hundred percent. Just had to make sure, man. I get that wrong. Uh, then JP you have and the Mark. Gino, the Gino Five Two podcast. That's going to be out of the UK. Uh, the CZ Initiative podcast. That's going to be Sean out of. Uh, oh man, Corn, Nebraska, Corn, Nebraska. Man, I knew Nebraska. I just didn't want to say it and be wrong. Uh, then you have the loaded dice podcast australia and, i believe yeah australia and then you also have the eye of horrors podcast who ryan was actually on two episodes ago i think they just dropped another episode so it's officially two episodes back ryan was the co-host on there filling in for michael on the eye of horse podcast honestly guys if you haven't heard poorly of Eye-Force. filling in very poorly you did great but, man you did but fantastic. i was there i can't so, replace michael <laughs> Next thing, last thing on the list here, man, we have a interview with the 30K channel. Uh, it's coming up right now. If I'm going to go ahead and shout it out in this little podcast section. If you love bat reps, if you love like 30K, then you will like the 30K channel. This guy pays such close attention to detail on the stuff he's doing, and you'll find out why in our interview here in a minute. And, uh, I mean, it's just, it's just sol- it's solid bat reps. He has like so much like – so much production in his bat reps that it's such a it's a good time y'all are gonna have fun listening to this interview man i had a blast doing the interview i think ryan had a good time doing the interview yep. too yep it was like like and honestly guys if you want to see some more of these interviews let us know because we like doing them i just don't know what kind of stuff y'all want to listen to so like if you have ideas like hey you guys should interview this shoot us an email leave us a voicemail we'll definitely go ahead and get whoever we can on the show. We're still looking for y'all's bat reps. I think we're about to do one here in a minute for next show. So still looking for y'all's bat reps. We're going to kind of condense them down to a little bit shorter. Uh, but, I mean, 
just uh, give us a call if you have ideas and send us an email if you want to hear stuff on our show or you think that it would be a good idea. We're always open for ideas, guys. It's an ever-evolving show that we have. We're only we're only 31 episodes in, so we're still a little baby. So, Yep. So, But anyway, we're going to go and drop in some music, and then you'll get your uh, sweet, sweet 30K channel interview, guys, with David. So we'll catch you all later. Bye, guys. guys welcome back so like we promised we have uh mr david gaines with the 30k channel day i'm sorry david brains right not Gaines. I don't know brains where, yeah you got it where i got the gains from so let me just kind of throw out what david does like if you don't know about him and you haven't heard about him uh you can actually go to youtube and uh go to the 30k channel right yeah okay and uh, this guy actually does Horace Heresy Battle Report. It's, like, super high quality, super nice terrain. Like, I don't know, like, if you are, like, pulling these guys' armies from, like, the White Dwarf books or something. Like, you got, like, <laughs> these great painted armies that you're throwing up on this channel. Like, I guess, uh, man, David, go ahead and tell us about yourself, man. Like, what, wh- where did you come from? Like, how did, like, out of, out of nowhere, we just get this, like, awesome 30K YouTube content. What's going on over there? First off, where are you from? Well, where am I from? Uh, Peterborough. I live in a place called Peterborough, which is in uh, England, which is uh, fairly close to Cambridge. So everyone knows where Cambridge is. Nobody knows where Peterborough is. Uh, so they're pretty much my pretty much my whole life. I lived in I lived in New Zealand for seven years uh, a few years ago, and then I moved back to England about three four years ago now. So uh, 
Um, so I've uh, been collecting, been in the hobby for, I don't know, since I was 11. So I'm 36 now. So that's quite a, that's quite a long time, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so I, I think most people, I started in Epic, Epic 40K, Space Marines and Tyranids. Loved Epic so much. Uh, and then, you know, you kind of play a bit of Necromunda and, and then you kind of graduate towards 40K. And then I did 40K for years, years and years. Always Imperial Guard, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, I love Imperial Guard. Loads of tanks, loads of infantry, artillery, loved it. Uh, and then and then Horus Heresy came out and I thought, wow, this this is pretty cool. I really like this. Um, and I always wanted a always wanted an army of robots. And uh, when Mechanicum came out and they released the Castellax and the Thanatar and I thought, man, I, I need an army of that. So, um, so yeah, so that kind of kicked it off with the Horus Heresy and started yeah, from yes. there, really. I was like, like extremely excited because, like, what we're gonna start getting some astro or some uh, solar auxilla bat reps here mm. pretty soon or something? Oh man! But okay, I get it. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't carry over your imperial guard love into the, the horse heresy universe. Well, it, soon solar solar will make an appearance. I I have some solar at the moment, and I'm trying to get some paint schemes organized and trying to get them right. But solar will be coming, but it's. As with anything, it's it's time and money, and particularly with solar, you know, you need like a hundred guys and and ten tanks. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's a lot of that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, a lot of money, a big investment to play guys <laughs> with four up save. <laughs> Toughness three. It's one of those yeah. things where you you're like literally counting, like in your head, it's like, well, that's that's thirty thirty pounds worth of guys. That's that's another forty pounds. Like, holy crap! Because I do it. I do that with painting time when people kill my militia levies because it takes me like three hours to paint a guy. And I'll be like, oh, that's eight hours of my life right there. So, you know, you that's right. And Walter. Got him, got him one stubber. turn. <laughs> stubber, yeah. You hit him with a stubber. And you look at like, oh, up. And I, I, hope you feel great about, I hope you feel great about yourself. That was a whole weekend. <laughs> that makes you feel nice. <laughs> although, although you should never feel sorry for Solar because they have that warlord trait like in the first turn. You can get shrouded. So if you if you've got some troops with that warlord trait behind some an Aegis defense line, they get a two up cover on the first turn. So don't don't feel sorry for Solar. Oh, yeah, I had, to, I had to deal with that. Yeah, I played I played Josh this past week, and I had to deal with the what was it rolling bombardment something like cover bombardment something warlord trait. It's ridiculous. Two up oh, Solar. That's horrible. Get out of here with that. Mm. It's good. It's good stuff. So so yeah, go. On. So yeah, man. So I mean, obviously you know 40k pretty well, and so you, now mm. you know Horace Heresy pretty well, man. What a what prompted you to decide? Hey, man, we need some good bat reps out there, and I'm the guy to do it. Oh, I don't know. I uh, it happened perhaps two, three years ago. I um, I I just thought oh, I reckon I could offer something a little bit different. I wouldn't say better or worse. I just wanted to offer something different, and I I. I'm a bit of a perfectionist, so I, I, I knew I wanted to do battle reps at, at, at some level, but I wasn't sure how. And I I watched battle reports for the last two, three years solidly, and I just thought, okay, and then I just kind of took bits from here, bits from there, and kind of put my own twist on it. And I think I think the unique thing about mine is is the is the is the black background, you know, and that's um, it, it it sets the scene because when you're when you're inside that booth. 
the two players are just purely focused on the game, you know, and, and, and there's no distractions in the background. When, when I play a game, the thing that needs to be on focus is, is the army and the, and the terrain. And it's those two things that really create an immersive experience in both gaming and hopefully for, for viewers to watch. And, uh, and, and then that's what I wanted to offer. I just wanted to offer something different and an immersive experience. Um, and I, and I think I've, I think I've got there really, you know, I've kind of presented something like what that I had in my head and I made a reality and now I need to, you know, every game I get, you know, we need more, we need more, more, more from you. And, uh, hopefully I'm going to start ramping up very soon, but, um, yeah, I wanted to offer something different and I had a plan and I followed through for a change. So I have a classic bloke. I have a, a thing of starting something and never finishing it. So uh, I'm quite pleased <laughs> with my achievement. <laughs> You nailed it, man. Like it's a, it's like, I don't know. And I, I don't want to say it's just the black background that, that like shows the production level of your, your bat reps, man. Like cause there's <laughs> so much that goes into it. Like you've got, you know, fully painted army. Like, and these aren't just normally like tabletop standard. These are like, like mm. hot, above tabletop standard armies. They're fully based. Like the, the armies you put on the table are very nice. And then on top of that, your terrain is next level as well. And then you have these like, this black curtain, which really makes it look like this is some sort of like games workshop production game about to happen, mm. stuff like that. So, so yeah, man, you nailed it on your bat reps. See, they're they're very, very nice. It's just, I, we we've done bat reps in the past uh, for mm-hmm. the Forgotten Legion guys, and yep. uh, I was the one to edit them, and so I can I know how you know how kind of <laughs> selfless a job that it like it's so much work just to get a bat rep edited. So. So like for you to just yeah. like charge head first into a job of just editing <laughs> bat reps, what what is it like monthly at this point, weekly? Like how many bat reps are you dropping a, a month? Like yeah, so uh, uh, so at the moment it's just one a month, and it, it it doesn't take long to to edit it. It takes about I don't know eight to ten hours maybe to 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 fully edit one start to finish, and then perhaps another eight hours to save it in Final Cut, and then you have to upload it. Uh, sorry, then you have to condense it to a smaller file, then the upload, because my internet's quite slow, so it's easy to upload. But I reckon, you know, two solid days to get it start to finish and ready up on YouTube. But um, So, yeah, it does take a bit of time. But, you know, I, I had never used Final Cut up until, what, five months ago. Never never even looked at it. So um, it's all self-taught. Um, but And there's still lots to learn, you know, I... There's so much I could learn, and there's probably loads of things in the program that will make life a lot easier for me. But, uh, but I'm trying. Uh, but but you know, you you mentioned about the armies and stuff and the battlefield. That you know, that's really cool for you to mention. Thank you. Uh, but I'm lucky that, that the Peterborough where I live, there's loads of guys with heresy armies, and they are some of them are I'll say some of them they're all really really good, and I only live an hour's drive from Warhammer World, so I go to. I go to a lot of events and if I see an army I like, I just say, hey, you know, this is me. Do you want to come on and have a game? Uh, and and it's really, I'll make really you famous. I'll yeah, make you yeah famous. well, you never know. <laughs> all, all shifty in your trench coat. Hey, buddy. <laughs> I, like, I like that Imperial Fist army you got there. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to come to Peterborough on the outskirts of Peterborough in a black booth for eight hours? <laughs> The guys here call it the snuff box. <laughs> they come stumbling out of the studio. Their hair's all messed up. They're like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> Dazed and confused. 
<laughs> Sign this release form. Get out of here. <laughs> Definitely. But yeah, it's it's hell of a thing. But but yeah, so we, we just try to showcase as many different armies from the Horus Heresy as possible. And you know, I I could have my Mechanicum could have featured in every single one, but I think that's a bit boring. So I thought, hey, we just need to showcase as many as we can, you know. That's cool, man. That, that's actually one of the things I was gonna ask is like I was how do you how do you get the players to play your game? Because you know, I, I think about, you know, we, we kind of have like a really like thin draw of what we can pull out, but I mean, you you seem like you can just go walk up to Warhammer World and say, "Hey, you, here's my card." Like, like it seems like you just got your your pick of players and like, uh, yeah. do you take requests at this moment or like you know if like somebody's like, "Hey, man, I really want to see Imperial Fist and Iron Warriors and all that." Like, do you take that in consideration or? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So there's there's a couple of considerations I have. I I have. I have about 15 or oh, 10 to 15 realm of battle boards to choose from. So they're all different colors, different styles, different terrain. Uh, so, so they're all based at the club. I own half of those and, if, and the, the group that I belong in the other half. So we've got quite a lot between us. So I kind of pick a battlefield and I think, well, you know, if we go on the Mars board, what, what colors are cool with that? So, you know, have a look at the color wheel that everyone uses to paint their army by. And it's all about contrasting colors because if you, you know, if you play on a snowboard and you're playing a white scars army, then you won't be able to see the white scars on the white on the white board. So I try and I try and match colours up as much as as much as possible. So red on blue, you know, grey on red, that sort of thing. So there's a good contrast to keep the the viewer interested. Um, and then it's just a case of finding the right guys with some really nice armies. But um, but the guys have got to be quite charismatic as well because if you've got two guys with like really boring monotone voices then then people are just going to listen for 10 minutes and turn off so you know i kind of throw all those things into the mix and and kind of oh that guy was really nice to talk to his army looked cool it was green you know and then there's this other guy who would work really well this other guy so i try to match players up as much as uh, as the battlefield and what their army looks like and and hopefully and particularly in the last one I've just filmed last weekend, the, the, the banter, I guess, between the two players was really, really good. And I don't think we've had that up until now. So um, so, so that's really important as well. So there's loads of factors that go into the pot to hopefully bring you guys a good battle report. And do you have, like, some sort of background? Because, like, I've never put thought into, like, the color wheel of, like, what the table looks like versus the army <laughs> on top of it. Like, that's all, like, some, like, high-level production value. Like, do you have background in this? Or is this, like, something just aesthetically you, you're, like, OCD with or something? That's crazy to me. Like, I mean, it works yeah, out it, for it, you, but, man, I've never thought about that. Well, I, I'm definitely OCD. I can I can claim to that. But, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I, I watched for years battle reports, and some armies looked great but the terrain they were playing on was far too busy and you, when you looked at it you just couldn't make head or tail of what was going on and i found that confusing and i think if i found that confusing then you know ten thousand other people in the world are going to find that confusing too so i was conscious of that but in my job i'm a i'm a visual merchandiser so i go into into dealerships all across the country and kind of like well customers can't see that so therefore they can't buy it and you know that doesn't work and we need to make this more clearer and you need to advertise this better and stuff so i, I guess it all kind of filters 
I knew, it. <laughs> I knew there was something like that. I knew there was like some sort of background, <laughs> like in visualizations or something. Like that's a, that's like a craft you probably never thought you'd be bringing into the the Warhammer world. And now you're like, well, that building's a little too tall, so we're not going to be able to see anything behind it. So we need to get a level two, a two story building. Let's get that third story off of there. Yeah, okay. Our terrain here wouldn't fly. We play with a ton of terrain. He'd be like, you can't see any models on this. I <laughs> know. <laughs> oh, I know it sounds so anal, but I just, you know, I think what I'm trying to say is, is that the, the customer, and I say the customer, the, the viewer, that I'm all about the viewer. And, it, and, if, and if they enjoy the game, then, then that's good for me. And if they don't enjoy it, then, um, then I'm doing something wrong and I need to amend it. And I'm quite lucky. Um, Everybody that's that's watched my video, they're, they're all leaving comments, you know, and, oh, the sound was good here, the, I like the music here, the buildings was good, the armies were good, or that was bad, or I couldn't hear this. And, you know, uh, and I'm in a real flexible position where if something doesn't work, I can then change it to the next one and then and then amend it, you know, and, and make it work. So I'm quite, I'm quite lucky in that respect. I, that, um, that was one of the weirdest things I saw in the comments on your last one, Space Wolves and Thousand Sons, was... Hmm somebody was complimenting the thousand sun music and like i hadn't watched yeah. the bat rep before so i kind of like went through the comments and like i love going through comments of bat reps just because you always get those well you didn't roll a three when you were supposed to you didn't know that they like we we would get those i'd be like bombarded with like uh well precision shots still let you roll for this and, that. and you're like oh yeah okay thank you thank you for yeah i'll, I'll never forget that now like Oh. So, like, we get, but I was like, that was the first time I ever saw, like, somebody come through and, like, say, like, straight up, uh, uh, I love the music for the Thousand Sons. And I was like, what? Like, this is like something to compliment? That's crazy. Like, he must have really picked some good music for him. And he did. Like, it was badass music. And so, like, no one worked the thought it? into that. That's awesome. Yeah. Man. So, uh, so right now, before before we started talking, I was picking music for um, Emperor's Children, which I think I've got a good track. And now uh, I need to find some music for World Lady Gaga. Lady, <laughs> definitely. Lady Gaga. Oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's it's important. It all matches, you know. Because when you watch movies, you know that if there's a car chase, there's always high energy music and it's exciting, and you know you feel like you're in the back of the car with the guy driving and. And it's it just creates that more immersive experience, doesn't it? You know, so I don't know. Trying hard. <laughs> oh, good luck with that, man! Like, you just you pull your music from anywhere. Or you got like go find like royalty free music and all that jazz. Or there's a there's a couple thing. of places. Yeah, I mean, there's there's one place where I subscribe and pay like a monthly fee to gain access. Um, I can't remember the name of it, uh, but then also. You can just go on to YouTube. They offer like a little creator area where you can like create your own movies and stuff. And there's a huge list of sound effects and music. And I get most of my music from there, to be honest. But it just involves hours and hours of listening to three minute tracks, two minute tracks, and then thinking, oh, you know, who could I use that with? And save, save, save. But um, yeah, it's time consuming, isn't it? Yeah. Well, now every time I see Fulgrim, I'm going to think of Born This Way. So everybody knows. Whenever. <laughs> oh man, that'd be cool if we could get it. How, would you imagine how much money that would cost? I'd pay Lady Gaga to track <laughs> some guys playing futuristic spacemen. I just love it. Futuristic sp tabletop spacemen. 
Yeah, Lady Gaga endorses that. <laughs> Seems like that's kind of bad. Why not? It does, eh? So yeah, man, that's that's crazy. That's that's super cool, dude. Like that's that's real exciting, man. I love what you're doing right now. It's Shit. like I, I love the very very well stuff. thought out. Very well thought out. Thanks, guys. Hearing like hearing like hearing behind like. I thought all this stuff looked like really well, and I was like, "There's got to be some sort of like production level that he's putting into this." And like now that you're like, "Oh well, you know, I'm a visual merchandiser, and I do this." Like ex- I knew it. Like I knew there was some secret here. And he's got some special eye. Like he's not just like I thought you were like a color grader or something like that, or some sort of editor. Like I didn't know. I didn't know. Like I knew there was something. So I see it now. It all that's, makes sense. Oh, that's <laughs> the, cool. The that's wizard's cool. been unveiled behind the veil. <laughs> Yeah, so, build my tricks. <laughs> so we had, we had, were talking before actually getting you recording. You mentioned that mm-hmm. you're you're gonna be working out of a studio now. Like you, you oh yeah, up your up your game a little bit. What's going on with that? Oh man, this is the this is the contributing factor to me not sleeping at nights at the moment. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, so I, I I'm based at a club in Peterborough uh, that a load of us got together and. and uh, just rented like a village hall on a Friday night uh, and then when I was filming games I was renting the hall out on a weekend but it was just costing me an absolute fortune and I figured you know I spent all this money on camera equipment and computer programs and I've invested so heavily and I'm only doing one a month it's not enough and you know my ultimate goal in the end is next year is to is to you know have like um have like a vault area where I'm going to start charging people to watch the games you know have like a couple free to free to air and then hopefully people will want to give me some of their money to watch my battle reports. And I thought, well, I, I, if what I'm doing right now, I can't, I can't charge people because it's not, it's not a good level. So I thought, well, if I invest in a studio, I can do more battle reports and put more content out and make them better. Uh, you know, because the first, I think the first four games, I was doing all that in eight hours, filming the battle report and getting it all, get the equipment set up and breaking it down in eight hours. And they were they were a bit rushed, so I figured I need I need somewhere permanent. So I uh, I rented a unit on the outskirts of Peterborough. It's an office, and I pulled all of the office gear out and shoved my booth up in there. And I've got uh, three permanent tables for the for the club to come and use. So anybody in the Peterborough area can come over to the club on a Friday night and come play games on all of the scenery that's featured in the battle report. You know the the six before Zone Mortalis board and the Mars board and. All of the scenery we've got is available to our members. Um, and there's also a meeting room there we can hire out. So we can hire that for local events or uh, big apocalypse weekends. Or, you know, we're, we're looking at doing some painting tutorials for people in the local area in the next year. Um, and ultimately, because I'm paying a flat fee every month, I can be there 24 hours a day over the weekend if I want to and film three, four, five battle reports. And, uh, and the aim is to increase the content to four battle reports a month um, as of January next year, you know, and I've queued up three or four this month. I've got five to film in January. So we're, we're full steam ahead. Definitely. That's freaking cool, dude. Do you have, you don't have like mm. a Patreon set up or anything like that right now? Or? No. And I, and I, I'm not sure the best way to do this. And, and I guess the, the question as well is, you know, will people pay, three pound a month five dollars a month i don't know what it is to to watch my stuff and i'm i'm kind of talking to a few guys at the moment and gauging their interest and uh yeah i don't know it's 
I, I'd pay thing, five dollars a video. I know that for sure. You would. <laughs> yeah. So you get I'm sold there, buddy. You got at least twenty dollars if you do four videos a month. <laughs> Just, that's good enough for know, me. <laughs> in your pocket. <laughs> that's cool, man. So yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Everybody, everybody in this hobby wants wants to try and make their hobby pay in somehow or in some shape or form, don't they? Um, well, you like know, you'll never make your your money back on like as much work as you put into a bat rep. I tell people that all the time. It's like, do you know how much work goes into editing this freaking, like, getting everything right, and if the sound's wrong, the stuff I gotta do, like... <laughs> it's hard enough for me to take notes and take pictures. I couldn't imagine filming it and editing it and all that. Like, that's that's next level. It is, like, it is us, a pain. Give us more. Give us more content. We need more bat reps. Yeah. It's like, that's the thing, know. isn't it? You know, it's just, it's so hard, and people, like you say, people just want more, 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 and but we're gonna try. You know, I said to myself, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a stab at this. I'm gonna go hard for a year and then see what happens at the end of it, and then, um, and then decide what happens. So, uh, so we'll see. So we've got a year of four a month for the next twelve months, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> it's gonna... boom! It's like I'm done. Like I'm, I'm going on vacation. I'm never coming back. <laughs> Give it my mechanic come away. It's over. So we'll see. But we've got, you know, for the for the for next year's battle reports, we've got loads of new armies. And you know, in, in England there's a you know, in some groups there's always like a there's always like the tier one guys that have got everything. They've got all the all the armies, they've got the, they win all the competitions, they're they're super prolific on social media and stuff and there's always like the tier one guys and every like, everyone else like me is kind of like tier three, four, five, struggling to kind of get to that level, that the same level there are. And <laughs> we're quite lucky because quite a few of those guys have approached me and said, hey, you know, we like what you're doing. And I said, well, you know, can we can we get you on the channel? They've all said yes. So we've got some real some real good stuff coming next year with some really amazing, you know, if you thought the armies were good now, we've got super, super better armies coming in January. So um, that's pretty cool. Uh, and we've got loads of new boards coming next year. I've, I'm commissioning some 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 Zone Mortalis terrain off a guy on Facebook who's quite prolific on there. He's an awesome modeler, and he's doing me some terrain for next year. And uh, I've got a massive six by four, uh, you know, the Forge World um, City Fight board. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh uh, I've I've got that, and that's being painted as we speak, and that'll be ready for January, February, and. We've got loads more boards coming and new scenery and uh, yeah, lots to come. So hopefully it'll be, you know, next level, hopefully. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. Putting putting the work in, it's you're gonna hopefully see some some fruit out of that. South Oceania. I hope so. Well, and if it ever got big, you could even maybe even do like at like I know people don't like advertising, but you're in it. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, you could sell ads either before the video or have just a mm. small ad break in between the video or whatever to, you know, I mean, make it make it work for you. You know what I mean? Make yeah. a little extra money. So. Yeah, it needs to supplement it somehow. But, yeah, I mean, that's definitely a consideration. Um, <coughs> yeah, we, we need to do something. We need to think about something. But, uh, yeah, hopefully you'll be all right. Yeah. It's very cool, man. Uh I was kind of talking a little bit before, and uh, you were kind of mentioning you probably have a Christmas special coming up, like uh, some some excitement or. Oh yeah, yeah. So Christmas special, we've got uh, eight by six board, 
Uh, it's the Mars board with some more scenery on it and uh, some more rock formations and bits and bobs. But we've got um, Iron Hands versus... Um, oh, I've forgotten. Uh, Iron Hands versus Sons of Horus is what we've got. Uh, and maybe the Iron Hands might have uh, a detachment of custodes, hopefully. We just, I'm waiting for the two guys to finalise their lists before I can sort of reveal what's happening. But yeah, it'd be really, really cool. So it's the first big game we've got on the channel. There's going to be Christmas trees and fairy lights and stupid party hats. And <laughs> it's going to be pretty yes. cool. <laughs> yes. Going to model up the custodes with, with Santa hats and stuff. It's going to be sweet. I love Why it. Why not? Get them, get them just, just drunk enough to say some crazy stuff, but not like overboard where they can't finish the game. Absolutely, <laughs> definitely. It would have been, it would have been good if we had a, a snowboard, you know, like a snowy board, but we haven't got one. So maybe, uh, maybe next year. But um, yeah, it's going to be a great game, and the guys are bringing some, some big stuff. No Titans. That's we're going to do a Titan off next year hopefully might might even get a warlord on there so we're, we're getting some good stuff on there but so we've got some big super heavies and we've got two primarchs i think so um it's going to be a really cool game it will be a long game I'll, i'm going to caveat that right now it's going to be a hugely long game maybe two and a half hours but um i think you know for christmas special it might be worth it it'll be all right so do you guys do, like, for decoration for Christmas, do people ever set up, like, the Christmas village, like the little houses that light up on the field of snow? Am I the only yeah. weirdo that ever looks at that and thinks, man, I wonder if, how, like, can I make this work for terrain? <laughs> can I get behind this uh, this church with the nativity scene in it over here and fire some bolters down the hill at these carolers? <laughs> We've used that as terrain. Like, that ain't no joke. Times were rough. Times were rough when I was only like, 18, like 16, 17. Like. I just the little skater pond with the skaters moving around it. You got your rhino out there. They're like bumping into the side of it. They can't. They get the nativity scene involved. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, what, what kind what, of cover? What save kind of cover is... save does baby Jesus give? <laughs> Too up I'm assuming it's better than normal. Some sort of void Definitely. shield generator. I don't know. Uh, it's like yeah. some glowing light coming out emanating from the top of the manger but yeah <laughs> definitely <laughs> that's awesome Crazy man stuff. i'm super excited i haven't seen any bat reps yet with some custodes so if you can get some custodes in there i'd love to see how they play on the table i want to see somebody um, run them and like see how they get them into combat without somebody shooting the shit out of them before they get to do it <laughs> Yeah, I, I played a Zomotalis game a couple of weeks ago with a friend of mine. He had um, Iron Warriors allied with Custodes. And, uh, yeah, the Custodes ripped the ass out of my Castellac. So that wasn't quite nice. But, um, but yeah, they do they do a good job. They they bring the they bring some skills to the game. So hopefully, you know, if, um, if, this, if the uh, Iron Hands guy can get his Custodes together, I'd love to have him on the channel. So... Uh, so it could be a channel first, but we'll see. See where see how it goes. He's he, it, it, the guy's name's Matt. He's been furiously painting for the last three weeks to get his um to get his iron hands all set up. But um, he's running an event this weekend, a tournament uh, near where I live. So I'm going to that tournament this weekend. But um, so hopefully um, hopefully he's had it all done in time. But you're we'll giving, you're giving us too much information, man. We're gonna find out who this Matt guy is, and we're gonna be like, hey, get it done. <laughs> We're gonna find. We're, it done. we're gonna use all this information you just provided. It's like <laughs> event near Petersboro. Yeah, <laughs> guy named Matt's running it. Found him. Now we got prepare to be <laughs> Facebook stalked. <laughs> Definitely get that. Better get that custodes army done. 
I'm definitely going to give him a nudge tomorrow. Uh, so yeah, Saturday when I see him and say, "Hey, you know, we need to we need to get these on," but um, hopefully they will. They'll be all right. That's badass. <laughs> so, but yeah, man, man, I, that's really all I had. I mean, it, what? I guess if you get some people near near you, what's the best way for them to contact you and say, "Hey, man, I want my army in there," or "I want to, I want to start." paying you monies to make it or you know anyway what's the best way to contact you <laughs> there's there's loads of ways you know you can contact me directly through facebook so just david brains b-r-a-i-n-e-s or email me at um the 30k channel at gmail.com uh, or you know you can leave a message on one of the battle reports uh, or or on uh, instagram it's just the 30k channel so people can just get in touch and you know tell me what army you've got you know, 3,000 points would be awesome as long as it's fully based, fully WYSIWYG uh, and, and well painted. And if you've got some charisma, then, um, then that's pretty cool, too. So, um, yeah, just get in touch. And if you can spare me eight hours of your life on a Saturday or Sunday on the weekend, then, um, then yeah, come over. But we need people like um, we need Blood Angels at the moment and, uh, and the Army's Imperial Fists. We need Ultramarines, Imperial Fists. Um, I would love to organise a um, uh, a mech on mech action. So I'd love someone to face my Mechanicum. That would be pretty cool. Uh, and I would love someone with like an all breacher army to, to do a Zomal Talus. That would be pretty cool. You know, like forty breacher marines just walking through Zomal Talus would be cool. Hey, what is a Geno Five Two guys run? Ah, uh, yeah. So yeah, I've checked. A few times, um, they've got all sorts really. Uh, I know they've got ultramarines, and and I've invited those guys on to to come over and, and feature on the game. But they're they're just getting their armies together really, and uh, and they live a little live quite a way away from me. So it's organising like a weekend for them to come over. But um, I was about to say, I was yeah. like, I think I think we found we might have a mechanical army for you, but try to think about it now. So <laughs> well, that seems there like is the a, there's good. Go on. Oh no! I was gonna say it sounds like uh, it sounds like you you kind of laid out the armies you need, and I'm pretty sure hopefully mm. some people answer the call and start. Hey man, I want my army <laughs> to be on your sweet YouTube channel. <laughs> I hope so. You know the Throne of Skulls events at Warhammer are amazing events, and there's there's loads of guys that go to those, and everyone who had a great army I've approached and said that hey, you know we want you to come on. So and, and nearly all of them said yes. So we've got a lot coming, but um, you know it's it's organizing. It's getting a pass from the girlfriend. That's the that's the hardest thing these days, and uh, yeah. getting them over. But um, yeah, we, we've got some good stuff coming. Hopefully, that's super exciting, dude. Mm. So, but yeah, you know, if there's something that go, okay. Uh, oh no, go ahead. What were you gonna say? Go ahead. No, no, I was gonna say, you know, if, if there's something that people want to see, then they can get in contact too and say, hey, you know, we want to see this and we want to try that and. You know, I'll try my best always to accommodate everyone. So uh, any requests, then and hit me up, you know? Yeah, I was going to actually ask, you know, I was watching a couple of your bat reps, and they seem, like, pretty pretty even. It doesn't seem like there's really any hardcore players or anything like that. It's, it, does, it does seem like your bat reps are more based around, you know, kind of, like, fluff and all that. Like, do you all welcome or accept, like, these, like, whack players who are just like, hey, man, I want to show you how hard my army's at, like, can beat us. Like, this army, like... <laughs> tables my opponent turn to it's like i, I want to show it off like is that cool like can, can people come and like come demolish somebody's face like <laughs> well 
the, the problem with that, there are there are battle reports out there for both 30 and 40k that, that do cater for that. You know, I've watched a few where the game is over by turn two. You know, the guy got his alpha strike off and 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 but those games are like 25 minutes. And I don't think I personally don't think they're fun to watch. And if and and I know I've been on the receiving end of being smashed turn one, turn two and. It's yeah. not fun, you know, and, and you, you know, I put all this effort in to get people over and then if their game's over in an hour, you know, then it's, I don't think that's fun to watch. And I, and I think generally people playing Horus Heresy are over the 40k double CAD with like five different allies and all the crazy super formations. And I think that's where Horus Heresy rebalances that and the, and the, the older, mature guys like you and I, you know, they've got a bit of money that spend time painting our models and, you know, we want an enjoyable game on a on a great battlefield with some great fluff or a great kind of mission behind it. You know, we don't want to get smashed in turn two. And so I think and I think that's what I cater for, you know, is the guys that want all that. And um, it's just not a fun game. You know, if you're going to sit down and watch a battle report, it's it's not fun to watch. So um, I definitely encourage fluffy armies and I definitely encourage Primark on Primark. We were really lucky, actually, that the last game we filmed, Empress Children World Leaders, that the, the game went in such a way that we ended the final, the final fight of the game is Angron and, um, and uh, Empress Children. Fulgrim, thank you. Sorry, my mind's yeah. gone blank. <laughs> so lucky. And the last dice roll was one of them taking the other one out. I won't reveal who it was, but... Um, oh. I feel yeah. like I, I feel um, like I know. <laughs> I feel, I feel <laughs> so, so do you? So, so going in that vein, do you guys uh, like screen lists, or does, or does everybody just have common sense enough not to bring something stupid? Yeah. So, so I, I don't let the two players see each other's list because okay. I think then they can start tailoring. So, uh, but I, de- I definitely view the list and I kind of say, or you know, that's a bit, that's a bit super keen, or, or you know, or maybe that's not quite strong enough, and and I certainly. I certainly have an input, but I certainly don't dictate what people take because okay. uh, because then it's a bit contrived, isn't it? I want things to be as as natural as possible, and uh, and and it's worth noting as well that in the game, you know, some battle reports out there they they refilm stuff to make it more cinematic, or they or they make it go a certain way. But we we definitely don't do that, you know. I let things take their natural course, and we don't definitely don't reshoot stuff to give a better ending or to give a different battle. It's all, it's all honest. And as you see it, which I think retains the integrity of the channel, I think that's really important as well. You know, there are some times where I think, Oh God, you know, if he'd rolled a four or, or if he'd not failed that leadership test, then the game would have been over 20 minutes early or, you know, you wouldn't have smashed that unit. But, but you just think, well, we've all been there, you know, melter weapons, rolling to pen you've got strength eight 2d6 armor bay and you roll a double one on a spartan you know or, yeah. or a, you know or a leviathan or something but um but no, no hey it's all it's all honest good fun it's all right <laughs> i love it man i love that you're keeping that integrity because it's so it's so hard like you're like what really you roll three sixes mm. in a row really that happened i don't i don't believe that <laughs> i don't i don't buy it in, in the last in the last game, we had one guy rolled three sixes for invulnerable. No, sorry, this three sixes. It was five sixes for an invulnerable save. I mean, that's just amazing. You know, it's you see that once in a blue moon, don't you? Oh yeah. But um, kept his terminators alive. I know that much. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. 
how that works out, man. I don't want to. I don't want to keep you any longer. Uh, before we go, man, I know you have a, a sponsor you might want to shout out there. A local game club, I believe it's Incon. We see them. Oh there. yeah. See them all over your Facebook. They take care of you. Help you out. Yeah. So Incon Incon Gaming in Gloucester. You know they've really looked after us for um, for the burning of Prospero bot sets, and they've given us some uh, some of these new. Uh, gaming mats to review, which we will feature on the channel very soon. Um, and I should also probably give my shout out to the local club that I belong to, which is the Legion of Peterborough Wargamers. So if you're in Peterborough on a Friday night, six till late, then um, then hit us up on the Facebook page and come over and have a game with us. But um, yeah. but yeah, but we're hopefully you know with, with guys like you on board and the Eye of Horus podcast, they've been really good for us as well. They've given us a big shout out uh, this weekend, so um, that's pretty cool. And obviously, you guys. You know, America's a, a huge country, you know, and it's uh, I'd only been to America the first time a few months ago for a for a work thing. But um yeah, what a what an amazing country and it's you've got a lot of people there and a lot of people playing games and if we can get in someone's front room or in someone's hobby room for an evening then that would be pretty cool too. So Well if you're ever in Indiana, I have plenty <laughs> of tables you could use. So I'm sure Michael <laughs> Michael host you in Texas too if you're oh, ever yeah, out if that you're way. Ever in Texas, man, let us know. I'm pretty sure if you're if you're coming in for work, you might be in Houston, Texas. <laughs> we got a lot of people in Houston, Texas with some 30k armies. Well, oh, if you man. want to shoot an impromptu Americanized 30k channel game, let us know, man. We'll take care of you. Wow. What I don't. Have you ever been over for Gen Con or Adepticon? No, I mean, you know, even before I did battle reports, you know, I've always look to the US for, for, for massive events and you, you guys know how to do it properly, don't you? You know, we do events here in the UK and we get like maybe 20, 30 people, but but those ones are absolutely huge, aren't they? I think Gen Con had 70,000 people last year. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, that wasn't just 30. I mean, they're actually going to have 30K events this year. They had 40K right. last year for, I think, the first time because it's more of just a general board gaming, but this year they're actually going to have 30K events at Gen Con is what I'm hearing. Oh man, it's amazing, isn't it? But um, yeah, we we can't quite do it to the same levels as you guys, but uh, we try. <laughs> <laughs> the roads can't handle that. It's just it's too much, too much stress. <laughs> Very true. Well, that sounds good. Well, man, David, I appreciate you being on, guys. Uh, if y'all want to see David's channel once again, that's the Thirty K channel on YouTube. And uh, go go give him a like on Facebook, give him a subscribe on on the YouTube's there. And I actually I contact him through Instagram, oddly enough. So like it's yeah, it's uh, it all works out, man. Any last words, David, or just sign out? Yeah, well, you know, thank you so much for this opportunity, and um, you know, we, we're only going to get bigger. So please, please support us, and and thanks very much, guys. I really appreciate it. We really appreciate you having on, guys. You, Y'all have a good one. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Michael. Later. Bye-bye. This has been a broadcast from Radio Free Islam. Fight on, brothers, for the Imperium. The Emperor protects.